0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
2: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24 7 non stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
0: What an interesting day for A's Cast Live. You want a guest list? Here is our guest list today. Billy Bean will be here at 1.30. Joey Wendell from the Rays, former A at 2 o'clock. Dave Cavill, and it is a spirited conversation, I can tell you that. Dave Cavill is going to be here at 2.30. Dan Shulman, who's calling this game for ESPN Radio, he will be joining us at 3.30. We are also going to be joined by Bob Melvin. We're going to be joined by Matt Vasgersian from MLB Network and ESPN and Big A's fan. And Bob Melvin will join us for the Bob Melvin Show. He'll be joining us sometime during batting practice. Yes, we are live on the field getting you ready for the wild card game that will be here tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Not only that, but we'll end up talking a little bit about the National League wild card that's going down in our nation's capital. As Did, it, did anybody come in to the postseason hotter than the Milwaukee Brewers? And we know how bad the Nationals have been in these winner-take-all games, but they've got Max Scherzer on the mound, and they feel Scherzer, last few outings and his bullpen, has gotten them ready for this game. It's a crazy game. You win 97 games. You win 96 games, and it gets you to a point to where you're playing one game. Winner moves on, loser goes home. Look at the year Cleveland had. Cleveland had a fantastic year. They're not even able to. To be able to be in this game. It is absolutely crazy. I will say this. I wanted to do a thing that was just all about baseball today. But that's just not the case. I have to talk about it. The city of Oakland is a joke. You know it. And I know it. And now the fact that they're trying to sue Alameda County. And they're trying to keep... Dave Cavill from being even able to speak with Alameda County. Phil Matier brought it out today. Two days before the wild card game, we're now back in court. It is absolutely unbelievable to me that I had to get up this morning and read from Phil Matier, Oakland's curveball, city sues County over plans to sell Coliseum site to the A's. This could have come out two weeks ago. This could have come out a week ago. This could have come out after this wild card game. But no, they're using the A's, and they're using the A's success to get their message out. Libby Schaff was on this show, if you remember back, and talking about how everybody was singing the same tune. Everybody was holding hands, singing Kumbaya, And that the A's were going to try and do what's best for Oakland. Fix this site, help Jack London build a ballpark on their dime. Not on Oakland's dime, on their dime. And we have to talk about this the day before the playoff game. They're using the A's. They're using the playoff game to try and get their message out. And Dave Cavill, I can tell you, we taped the interview earlier. You're going to want to hear it. Because now, you know what, you taxpayers, see, I live in Santa Clara County. But you taxpayers in Oakland, you taxpayers in Alameda County, you need to rise up. You need to go to your local politicians and tell them how you do not want this, how this is bogus. Hey, Ace fans, let let, let, let me give you a little shot across the bow on a day like this. There's a reason the Raiders left or they're leaving. There's a reason the Warriors left. They don't want to be here. They're taking their business and their employees and their tax money and they're out of here. This is the last thing standing. You want to screw that up? You want to let your local politicians screw that up? You better be smart. You better be smart. Because let me tell you something. There's other cities that would love a Major League Baseball team. I want you to think about that. You could go from having three professional sports teams to zero if you're not smart. You run your politicians, you're the taxpayer. They work for you. So you better be smart. That's all I'm saying. But the fact that we had to wake up today and see this article, City sues County over plans to sell Coliseum site to the A's, is an absolute joke. And let me tell you, longtime Oakland residents, this building, this was built in 1966. You tell me what's around here. What has been built around here in all these years? As the A's are trying to make this place in Oakland better, they've done nothing. You've had since 1966 to build and to make this area better, and you've done nothing. People for the longest time have blamed the A's, they blame the Raiders, they blame the Warriors. They don't own the facilities That's the city of Oakland and Alameda County. They own it. And as these things absolutely get run down, it's their building. And, oh, by the way, there's still the debt on Mount Davis. There's still the debt on the Coliseum. I mean, excuse me, on the arena. The A's are taking on the debt. Taxpayers, this is for you. They're going to take on the debt. It's an absolute joke what's going on. And that's not how I wanted to start the show today. That's like the last thing I wanted to do. But I can't help it, because it bugs me. The whole thing's been a a travesty. And I'll say this, too. If it wasn't for Bud Selig, this team wouldn't even be in Oakland. Bud Selig forced this team to stay in Oakland. We're going to have the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, on the show tomorrow. And that's going to be it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a tough conversation because what rob manford wants to do with baseball is he wants the a's to stay here he wants the rays to stay in florida and then they want to expand they want to expand to 32 teams but you can't expand if you have two franchises that aren't healthy so it'll be it'll be fascinating to talk to the commissioner about hey listen you want to know how dysfunctional this is think about this you've got two teams one won 97 games one won 96 and both teams can't get a stadium you're going into a playoff game where the rays have no plan they have no plan the rays have zero plan what is their plan right now uh, we want to be in Tampa, but it's not going to work in Tampa. We don't want to be in St. Petersburg, but St. Petersburg liked us. Oh, we've talked to baseball about playing half of our games in Montreal. You don't think that's dysfunctional? Do you know how dysfunctional the Rays are? How dysfunctional are the A's? The A's are going into a playoff game where the city is going into litigation to keep them from trying to do what they need to do to get a new ballpark. Is that not dysfunctional? These are two of the most dysfunctional franchises in professional sports, but they survive and they compete and they win despite the dysfunction. I want you to think about that. I want you really to think about that as an A's fan, and what this game means. Dave Cavill right now is in court. I believe it's right now. This is a president of a baseball team has to deal with litigation the day before his team plays in an American League wild card game. Is that not dysfunctional? The Rays talking about playing half their games in Montreal, that's not dysfunctional? How do these teams even survive? How do they win these games? How do they, you know, well, for the Rays, it's the first time that they're in the playoffs since 2013. The A's, I mean, they've made it a habit. The A's have been in the postseason five out of the last years. I, I don't know how that is. You play in this garbage stadium. You have so many issues, and yet you still succeed. And that's why I can't wait to talk to Billy Bean coming up here at one thirty. Billy Bean is going to go to the Hall of Fame. And I know some of you go, oh, he hasn't won a World Series. Well, Okay. But everybody I talk to seems to think it's a no-brainer he's going into the Hall of Fame because everybody understands the dysfunction that he has to deal with. Let me set the scene for you right now. There is a grip of people out here right now. You know, Usually when we're, we're doing this show, you're only going to have you know, some media members and it's batting practice. But today there are so many ESPN people here. It kind of reminds me of Hard Knocks with the Raiders. The Hard Knocks people were everywhere. That's kind of like what it is right now. There's ESPN people and MLB Network people everywhere. And, of course, ESPN. The problem with tomorrow is we lose our rights here on A's Cast. We will be in Championship Plaza tomorrow from 1 to 4. Come by and say hi. We want to see everybody. Normally we're in the treehouse. But the thing is ESPN has the rights. So even though we're not radio... We're getting kicked to the curb tomorrow. (laughs) We're gonna be, and Roxy Bernstein's gonna join us. I can tell you, interviewed. So the the commander and I went into the A's Clubhouse today. There was only about 40 minutes of availability. We basically went around and knocked it out of the park. Where tomorrow you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear from, I'll just go in order. We did Bassett, we did Grossman. We did Simeon, Scott Emerson, Jesus Lazardo, AJ Puck. Am I missing anybody?
3: No, that's that's everyone. We got everyone there.
0: So we're gonna have, and then we're gonna have all these other guests coming by too. So tomorrow gonna be jam packed. Now I don't think you can really beat today's show though. When you talk Billy Bean, Joey Wendell, Dave Cavill, Dan Schulman, Matt Vaskurjian, and Bob Melvin. Don't forget, the, don't forget Liam Hendricks possibly too. Liam, good friend of the program. Might be
3: best friend of the program
0: though. Uh. He, by far, think about this. He, by far, has been on this program more than anybody. Emo's come up on the close second. Okay. Who? Emo. No. Fossey be second. Oh, I'm thinking of people like, I'm
3: thinking of, like, t- on the t- on the field. Yeah. yeah Fossey's
0: th- been on pretty much more than anyone, including Liam. By the way, there's rumors that they're going to the old baseball for the postseason. Now, the Italian stallion, Joey Libertori, found this i don't even know it's 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 a it's a twitter account that has a lot of followers like over a hundred thousand but i don't know if it's a credible source Does, do they have the blue check mark it's rumors no oh i don't know see has had the
3: blue check mark adam Schefter.
0: Has uh to at like townsend that. radio has the blue check. yeah
3: uh, at my my twitter handle is it too i'm not going to give it out no one needs to follow me i don't tweet anything good all right
0: this is how it rolls you never know how it's going to work we knew he was going to stop by, we just didn't know when. It's now time for the Bob Melvin show, brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com, who the owner is a big fan of the green and gold. If you go by nestbedding.com right now, use the coupon code Oakland, you get 10% off your entire order. Love where you sleep. Bob Melvin show. Bob, how you
4: feeling? Feeling good. Back out here at the Coliseum, beautiful day. Guys getting ready to work out, uh, could be worse than this. So,
0: the uh, bad secret you were keeping, yeah. Sean Manaya is gonna be your starter. Why are you going with the big left-hander?
4: You know what, it's it's a difficult call because we're in a position where we have two guys that deserve to start that game. Mike Fires has been terrific all season. You look at his numbers, how he's pitched here at home, uh, he would be a great option. Sean Manaya has been borderline terrific every single time out little fresher at this point in time you know is there something maybe to the left against their rights i don't know maybe a little bit but i think it's just how well he's performed here and how consistent he's been in every single start
0: and then we brought this up yesterday on A's cast live is they like to run it kind of helps having a left-handed pitcher to
4: try and control the running game right and sean's quick to the plate so they're gonna have to guess as far as that goes um so, yeah, all the above. I mean, uh, it, it was tough. It was tough uh, based on what Mike has done this year and how much he means to this team. But, uh, um, you know, the, this, is, this is kind of the decision we went with and where we're going to go. So uh, we're, we're confident in Sean.
0: We talk about one of your great strengths is communication
4: and your relationship with the players. What was that conversation like with Mike Fires? You know what? He made it easy on me. Um, of course, he wanted to pitch, and he wanted to pitch last year. I think maybe even more disappointed last year when he didn't get a chance to pitch so uh he understood he's seen what sean has done uh he understands but uh you know he he wants to win the game and that's what he's all about so there was there was no problem telling him he was like i said he was easy it took a couple of minutes and you know he's off to to do what he can and 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 keep himself ready for any particular situation
0: yeah because you gotta get ready for you know knock on wood for the next round so i mean i all hands on deck from your starters. And we talked to Chris Bassett. And Chris Bassett, you know, he, he said, you know, he told you, you, you need me in the bullpen? I mean, your players all understand. This is about one thing. This is, you know,
4: in the your end goal for everybody is to win the World Series. Correct. And it's, it's one game at a time and win at all costs. So uh, Chris Bassett's been around here long enough to know how we do things. He's a versatile guy. Uh, he can give you length. He can give you one or two innings. We've tried to prepare him for that, and he's went out there for one inning on Sunday. He was out there for three innings this time before that. He's up for anything, and uh, whatever we need him for, he'll be ready. You've been in this game
0: a long time as a player, as a manager, as a coach. Did you ever think you'd see a time where a team would go back-to-back years, 97 wins, and you're just getting into the wild card game.
4: That's pretty crazy. I remember years years ago when, uh, when Dusty was managing the Giants, they won 100-plus games and didn't even get into the postseason. That was before the wild card. And then you see some of the wild card numbers, uh, you know, in the 80s, and, and you, you're thinking, as this season went along this year, what do we have to do to get in? So. You know, it ended up being 97 games. That's a lot of games to get into a wild card, but uh, that means that there's some really good teams in the American League, and we had to play it out till the end.
0: Yeah, and a guy that you have a lot of respect for and a team you have a lot of respect for, Tito Francona. Man, the Cleveland Indians had a great year, and they're not even in this game.
4: It's amazing. And, you know, he and I were going back a little bit, uh, you know, before the end, and, and, uh, you know, Tito's one of the great managers in the game, and, So, yeah, that was kind of the rhetoric is what do we have to do to get in this game? And, uh, you know, typically 97 will win you a division, but uh, not this year. And with all the changes going on in Major
0: League Baseball with managers, you're now the longest tenured guy with one team. What does that mean to you?
4: I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It either means I'm really old and on my way out, or it means that uh, I'm lucky enough to be around with one team and. And the, and the players have support, supported me well enough to keep me around. So I'd like to choose the latter, uh, but you never know. How about it is because you're really, really good. How about that? Well, I, you know what? These these guys make you good. I mean, we have a terrific team. And, and you know, we go 25, we go 40 deep as we've gone this year again. So uh, when you win a lot of games, the players make, it's all about the players, and they can make the manager look good. What do, you, what do you
0: think about last year, New York, that experience, especially for a lot of the young guys, and how that'll help you now in this game tomorrow at home?
4: Yeah, they, they know what it's all about. I mean, it's a completely different scenario. You know, it's on the road last year. We had a bunch of young guys that had never been in that game before. Got off to a slow start. Next thing you know, that place is about, feels like it's about to crumble. Uh, So we've been in in a scenario where it's been very difficult. Same thing could happen here. I mean, you get these fans engaged here pretty quick. It could be uncomfortable for the other team. We are at home. We played very well at home, and we have experienced this game. So uh, all those things would lend to a little bit more knowledge once we take the field.
0: You know, it's so different about what we have here at the Coliseum is, you know, a a lot of beautiful ballparks in baseball, but they're not – really built for sound they're built to be beautiful for the fans this place once they built mount davis when you get a lot of people in here whether it's 2012 2013 raider games the sound has nowhere to go, and it's so loud. Just talk about what you think it's going to be like tomorrow
4: with a sold-out crowd. It's going to—it's a football crowd, is what it turns into. When there's fifty thousand people here, and there's people in Mount Davis, uh, it turns into a very raucous football crowd. And I've said often here over the years: if we have fifteen in here, it sounds like thirty. If we have thirty in here, it sounds like sixty. If we have fifty in here, I, I think probably some of these, uh, some of the cement could crack if we get going and get these 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 fans engaged and they're they're such a great extension of our team they're you know they're they're oakland through and through and and so is our team so should be a good match i know they're going to sport the heck out of it
0: it's going to sound like a hundred thousand like a college football game
4: no doubt about it i mean that's the way it is here regardless and like you said with you know center field being blocked up there's really nowhere for the sound to go and uh you know we've experienced it here before so everybody's excited about that
0: so normally you're in either a three game series a four game series sometimes just a two game series but here it's one game you win you move on you lose seasons over what is that like as
4: a manager how does it just change everything that you're so used to it doesn't feel like baseball I, I understand it for a number of reasons one you know, you don't want, postseason's long enough as, as it is. Their team's sitting around for a period of time. Two out of three might be a little bit more conducive to what baseball's all about, but then you take into the fact that it's, it's a, you know, for the fans, it's a, it's a win and go home type of situation, so it makes it that much more exciting. Um, you know, it's 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 like a game seven, a game five, all wrapped up into one, so you got to be ready for just about anything. You, you certainly try to script out how you things may go, but a lot of times they don't, so you have to be ready for anything, and you got to use your whole roster, and that's why it takes so long sometimes to put together the 25-man roster.
0: I uh, I came up with a blueprint for the game tomorrow. All right, let
4: me know. What Man- is it?
0: Maniah for six, Lazardo seven and eight, Hendricks
4: nine, and we're off to Houston. I, I will take that if that's the way we're drawing it up. I think that's a good way to draw it up. Um, is a lot of times it doesn't go that way. No. So <laughs> hopefully it does, and, and you know, we'll, we'll be ready for anything else. Meryl Petit has been terrific about coming and on with guys on base. Uh, Wacom Soria has been terrific. Uh, Jake Diekman's good has been, been good against lefties too. So, you know, we'll have some options down there. But uh, if you're asking me if I'd be okay with that, I would have to say yes.
0: How nice is it after a long season, 162 games? I mean, you, you don't want to stop playing, but just to take two days off to – to, to catch your breath. How good has that
4: been for your team? I think it's been good. Um, you know, we come back at a day off. We've been going at it pretty hard. You know, we had 60 in a row and then we had a couple off days down the stretch, but it's nice to have that. I think the one thing that I've felt from this team for the last few weeks of the season is no one ever thought at the end of the season we'd be going home. Everybody thought we would be in the postseason at one way or another, and I think uh, it played out that way. So, um, proud of the guys that, that we've gotten to this point. Uh, it's going to be a tough game tomorrow, uh, but these guys are really excited about it and look forward to moving on.
0: Yeah, and I and I think about the Rays. You know, they don't hit a lot of home runs, but they don't give up a lot of home runs. And you know, I I, I talk about how they're like mirror. We're like mirror images of each other. You know, with the issues off the field, on the field. Uh, just a lot of respect for that group and what they do over there.
4: Yeah, there are a lot of similarities. You know, analytics play in both organizations. Uh, they use it to the hilt. Their roster is made up of, of continuous matchups, whether it's on the offensive end or whether it's in the, on the pitching end. They have a terrific pitching staff. They've used it very wisely. They're very well run with Kevin Cash and the group above him. Um, you know, we're a little bit more uh, this year at least, less a couple positions, more everyday type players on our team but uh you know it, there's a lot of things that are going on they don't draw a whole lot over at their place they're looking for a new ballpark um you know low payroll all, all the above so there are a lot of similarities in these teams
0: you know one, one thing that we saw today in the clubhouse we only had about 40 minutes in there to see the national love that marcus Simeon is starting to get and we went up and did an interview with them and 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 he's just so humble he's just good people he, as my late father and mother used to say about he's he was raised right and i just One of the things about being in the spotlight here is I think everybody's really getting to see. They look at the numbers, you go, Wow, you know, Alex Rodriguez is going over there talking to him. I'm really happy for him that he's getting his due. Talk about your shortstop finally getting his due because he's had an MVP
4: season. There's no doubt. And I think, you know, the numbers probably even surprise him some. We talked about it a little bit the last day of the season. He didn't even want to talk about it. He just talked about playoff game and us moving forward. So at some point in time, He'll get a little perspective after the season's over and see what he's accomplished. It's historic in the, sp- in the leadoff spot to what he's done, both offensively and defensively. The 162 games played, there's a lot for him to be proud of. There's a lot to be celebrated, and the national media should know about him. But it's the last thing on his mind right now. All he's thinking about is the game tomorrow and winning and trying to go forward.
0: Yeah, it's hard to believe that a guy could put up those kind of numbers and play every day, lead off, and play shortstop.
4: Yeah, and you know what his his mindset is? Uh, you know, in baseball, it's, it's not physically taxing. All you do is get down into an athletic position to get ready for a ground ball and, and get into a position to try to hit a baseball and not much in between. So the way he looks at it uh, would suggest that it, it re- doesn't mentally tax him. Physically, it's the toughest position to play on the field. Lead-off spot is probably the toughest spot with the amount of at-bats that you get. And what he's done both offensively and defensively has been absolutely spectacular. And uh, like I said, at some point in time, he'll he'll realize that.
0: Let's end on this. One of your favorite players, Coco Crisp, was on yesterday. And I said, what advice would you give the guys? And he said, breathe. Talks about, you know, it, you get so wrapped up into it, you start getting out of your own skin. Breathe. Relax. You can do this. You've been here before. I thought that was an interesting advice just about remain calm, as calm as you can.
4: Right. You need some oxygen. There's no doubt about it. And sometimes when I go to the mound, I talk to our guys about, look, breathe a little bit, breathe a little bit. Um, And and understand the moment and and try not to put too much pressure on yourself. You're exactly right. Uh, You know, Visualize what you want to happen. Take a deep breath, see it in your mind, and then go out and execute it.
0: I've been saying this to everybody. Next time I speak with you, We'll be in Houston.
4: Well, I hope you're right, Townie. We'll focus on tomorrow, and I think uh, if you talk to Mickey Morbido, he's doing a lot of stuff right now to, to make sure that happens. So hopefully that's the case, and we would look forward to that.
0: The Bob Melvin Show brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10%. Up next, Billy Bean right here on A's Cast Live.
2: Streaming from the town. Ace Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
0: Now joining us, the man that has made this all happen year after year after year in the playoffs 10 times the last 20 years. And like you say, it should be 11 out of 20. The great Billy Bean is with us. How are you?
5: Good, Tony. It's uh, you know, I always make appearances when we've made the postseason. so I can take all the credit. <laughs>
0: Well, that's the one thing is we always have you like before the season. Now it's always great to have you in the postseason. And just how much fun have you had the last two years with this group winning 97 games back-to-back years?
5: It's been two of the probably most enjoyable years I've had. uh, When I think of the 2001 season was a lot of fun because the team was just so darn good. And the second half was unbelievable. 2012 was probably at the top of the list because there was so little expected. I think the preseason... Uh, predictors had us losing 110 games that year when we won in 12 and then we literally nobody paid attention to us till all of a sudden you know we win the division last day but these last two years collectively uh, are right up there with that uh, 2012 it's been a lot of fun and uh, you know it's fun to watch this team at first you kind of go hey these guys are pretty good and then after you know over two-year period you go these guys are real good and they've you know done it it's not a fluke when you win 97 games two years in a row it it means you're good
0: yeah and you've always said if you think this team has a chance you're going to go out and add to this team and try and help this team win in the postseason
5: absolutely and I think we've done that every year I mean this year we didn't have a lot to choose from in terms from a trademark it was a little different Uh, but I thought we were very selective and I thought that uh, we did a good job in bringing in the right guys and Tanner Rorick and AND HOMER WAS FANTASTIC FOR US. AND I'M NOT SURE WE'D BE HERE HAD WE NOT MADE THOSE MOVES. YOU KNOW, adding AND, and THE TEAM EXPECTS YOU TO DO THAT. YOU KNOW, I LEARNED THAT FROM SANDY Alderson WHEN YOU ALMOST, uh, WHEN A TEAM'S PLAYED ITS HEART OUT AND THEY'RE IN IT AT THE TRADE DEADLINE, IT, it GIVES THEM A REAL JOLT when the front office goes out there and and, uh, puts their best foot forward. And and even when they give it young players, they like to see that, hey, you're investing in in this club right now. And and for us, it's the last couple of years, I think it's been one of the reasons we've gotten here.
0: You know, one of the great things about working around this team is that you don't believe in tanking. You're always going to try and win. And, you know, baseball's changed a lot since you started. And I think you know, God, I mean, you win 97 games, it only gets you into a wild card game. It's like next year we're gonna have, at spring training, it's gonna be like, hey, you want to win the division? You gotta win like 105 games. Just talk about how the game has just changed since since you first started.
5: Yeah, well, you know, you you mentioned that, the, or the term they use is tanking. The uh, yeah. Every year that I've been here, me and David have been together, we've always tried to win. Now, unfortunately, I wish we could sort of blame some years on tanking, but uh, those years we didn't win, we were actually trying then, too. It just didn't work out. Uh, I think you have a responsibility. I think every year is an opportunity. And had we taken sort of the attitude or let people convince us that, uh, hey, we're not ready yet or this team needs to rebuild, 2012 would have never happened. And actually going back, and, and that was a great lesson for, for all of us here, if you recall the beginning of that winter in 2011, we traded Bailey, we traded Cahill, and we traded Geo. That was in the fall. And the expectation was is that we were quote-unquote rebuilding. Well, what happened was it freed up some payroll, and we had some great opportunities right after the new year. Coco Chris came in, Suspedes came in, Cologne came in, Seth Smith came in. Those were all moves after those moves uh, in the fall. And the oppor- uh, trading those guys gave us the opportunity to pick up some guys. And, and, again, we ended up winning the division, and we won it the following year, and we went to the playoffs in 14. So I think when you're in professional sports, you have an obligation, to, honestly. There's, I, you know One of the things that, uh, and Bob, I know Bob's probably mentioned this to you, Chris, uh, when you have a big crowd here in Oakland, and you really feel that's the games that I know Bob and myself feel the pressure to win because people, you know, they plan around a big fireworks night or they come on a Sunday afternoon for a you know a holiday or summer Father's Day or Easter. And when they show people in the stands and you see families, you realize, you know, maybe they get to three or four games a year, but this is one game they planned on, and you want to make sure they have a good time. And the idea that they would buy their tickets for a game in August, maybe they bought it back in April, and at that day that game means nothing because your team's not very good, that's always something I've sort of taken personally. And, um, and so... For myself and Dave and everybody here, listen, we may not win every year, but I promise you with what we have, we're going to do everything we can to win every game.
0: You know, 2012, I always talk about go look at the box score from the Japan games and then go look at the box score of the very last game against the Rangers, how you remade the roster. It's always been interesting and fascinating to me how you can completely remake the roster or add to a roster during a season.
5: You know, it's... uh, you know, I've had this conversation. Me and Peter Gammons have been friends for years, and we talk quite a bit about this. And he asked me the last this year as well. You know, the first month, two months of the season, maybe the first uh, 35 games, you, you, you kind of try and figure out where you are. You know, you May, historically for us, has always seems to be when we've had tough years, that's when we seem to get injured, and it's impacted the rest of the year. But if we stay healthy and we kind of stay around 500 and kind of tread water a little bit, then you can see where you need to make adjustments with the team. And that's kind of what we've done. And we, and the other thing is, you know, things that happen in May, you kind of can't panic. You can't get, uh, you can't enjoy yourself too much if you're playing well, and you can't, uh, I think, panic if you're playing poorly because there's a lot of games left. And, uh, and if you look at our, our seasons historically, we've kind of just kind of hung in there the first half of the season, and then we take off for the second uh, part of the season. And, and, again, if you look at uh, a lot of teams when you get to the trade deadline, Five, six, seven teams at that point are going to fold cards. And those are opportunities for you in the second half to actually win those games if you just say, hey, we're still in this thing. And, uh, you know, again, a lot of this is my experience going back. I mean, this goes back to 99. I think we were 43 and 44 at one point during that season and ended up winning 87 games. We traded Kenny Rogers then made some other deals after we freed up payroll. Won 87 games. And I sort of realized teams that you play in the second half – May be far different than they were in the first half, and there may be more victories by virtue of the fact that a you're trying to win games, and and other teams are maybe developing young players, and and those are opportunities that we, uh, you know, try to search out for, and we uh we kind of anticipate at some point.
0: Yeah, don't worry, we panic for you on the postgame show.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we see that's the other thing when I watch you guys, I only watch when we win, so I, <laughs> it's actually true. But like, I'll you know I'll try and get home to. I'm not a late night guy, you know. So if the game starts going on, I'll start heading home. And if we win, I'll turn on, I'll watch everything. I'll listen to everything that's going on. But we lose, boom, turn it off, and I'm watching Dateline or something. So uh, uh, I hear you. Yeah. I wish I could do that. Keeps me sane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. It's like, you know, you're not gonna win every single year. But but the success that you have had and knowing you for a long time, you know, I remember when we first went back when I was on KNBR and we used to bring you on when you yeah. first got the gig. What do you think really has changed about you over the years?
1: Wow. Yeah.
5: Uh, you know, I think, I think I've developed uh, more patience. I when I was young, and we were all young here. You know, you, you know, even David was right out of college, basically, uh, and you know, Paul was here, JP Ricciardi was still here with me. Uh, I, we were very young. Uh, we were very intense. Uh, you know, in some sense, I think we needed that at that point. You know, we were changing a lot as an organization. At one point, we were a high payroll team, and then we sort of transitioned, so we sort of had to find a different way of doing things. and uh, But I'd say I've become more patient. Uh, I, I understand the length of the season. Um, I realize I've had days, you know, I've been doing this 22 years now. When you're young and you've won 10 in a row, you drive to the park thinking you're never going to lose a game. Again, you, you've you got this surrounded with this sort of arrogance of, your, you know, your team's great and you're always going to be great, and it just doesn't last. And I've, the way I've sort of uh, s- sort of tricked myself psychologically is when we're driving in and, and we're playing well. I'm starting to think about, all right, what can go wrong? How do I prepare for something to go wrong? And then when things are going bad, I know they're going to turn too. So I try not to sort of uh, uh, get hung up in the moment as to, hey, we're playing good, so we're we're great. I'm looking for ways that, hey, what can go wrong? And then when things are going wrong, I'm looking for things that can go right. So that kind of balance has helped me a lot.
0: And and it's crazy the way the game has changed with technology now, because, ooh, back in the day, it was like, we look at OPS. And it's like, oh, P.S. Now, I mean, with Statcast and TrackMan, and they're bringing in Hawkeye that tennis uses, and these high-tech cameras and Soto and all this kind of stuff. It's like those old analytics. It was great back then, but now we got all this radar and science. It's crazy how the game's changed.
5: Yeah, you know, I remember when I, uh, when when you and Larry would interview me on camera on a Sunday, right? We yeah. do a Sunday show. I always, uh, you know, we do those interviews those days, and. Back then, you know, I was Sandy's assistant, and I literally would print out the statistics, right, uh, from the w- it was how I think Stat Service that we got through baseball, and we'd print these out, and I'd get a highlighter, I'd just highlight the on base percentage, right? Yeah. You know, now with this stuff and the, hey, the people, the brain power we got working, all the access to data, uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and it's great because the game has become so intelligent, and to me, I think it's one of the smartest industries in the world. And, I, and before you say you're crazy, think about this. Um, I'm looking for the same skill sets that Wall Street, that Silicon Valley's looking for, that Facebook, Google. I need those same skill sets. Uh, the advantage I have is that they'll come work for me for about 25 cents on the dollar because they want to work for a sports team. And baseball now has access to all this intellectual capital out there that we weren't taking advantage of for years. You know, when guy and I look back, you know, when Sandy Alderson was the first, you know, the idea that a you know, Dartmouth graduate, Harvard Law graduate will be running a baseball team. That was unusual back then. Now it's the norm. And it's not so much about where you graduate, just that there's really bright people from all over the world coming and working for us now. I mean, look across the Bay of Farhan. You know, I hired Farhan when he was a PhD candidate at Cal Berkeley, and now he's running one of the premier sports teams on the, on the planet. And I can tell you, he's every bit as smart as you th- that PhD says he is. He's a brilliant guy, and the game itself has become a very, very smart industry, and and we're trying to do the same thing everybody else are. We have a lot of data. We're trying to ma- manage large amounts of data and organize it, and uh, and that's good because it's, the game's become a lot more dynamic, I think, off the field and become, I think, interesting on it too.
0: Yeah, I got a couple buddies who are recruiters. One's for Amazon, another's for Salesforce, another's for Google. Yeah, they're not hiring people 25 cents on the dollar in those companies. Nope. <laughs> no, and and, 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 and and again, we.
5: this is what's great about sports is – you know, and to me, I think, you know, I think one of the impacts of the book is that it's turned the business into a meritocracy. You know, bright young men and women who didn't play in the major leagues now have the opportunity to work in the game. And I think that's great. And uh, it's become, again, much more dynamic. You look at our front office here, you know, beyond David and myself, and it's an incredibly bright group of young men and young women. And uh, you're going to see more and more of that. It's, again, it's more diverse, more dynamic, and it's much more intelligent.
0: That book changed so much, and then the movie, and changed your life, really, because now, and it's been happening for years, that people all around the world want to figure out how you do it. What has that been like for you, that you've traveled the country, traveled the world, and people want to pick your brain?
5: It's humbling. Yeah, it turned me into a little bit of a recluse. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, uh, but uh, it's been very humbling. Some of the you know the opportunities I've had, the people. Uh, it's uh, again, Michael Lewis is an amazing writer. He's one of the most you know, probably influential writers in the world. So I guess that myself and everybody in the book benefited from that. But I, I'd like to think that uh, if I had any skill. That uh, I hired a lot of really bright people that made me look really good, and I sort of half kid when I say that. But when you, again, look across the bay at Farhan, you got David here, and you got Paul D. Podesta, who's working for the Cleveland Browns. I'm sort of proud of the fact that uh, they started their, you know, sports careers here, here in Oakland, and uh, and again, I hope to continue doing that because I still love what I'm doing, and hopefully get to meet a lot more people uh, in the coming years.
0: Hiring good people is a skill. Well, you know, I've. Yeah.
5: I've always, I, listen, I think, you know, first, we, we, to be a good leader, this is my opinion, you have to be a little bit humble and have some humility. And I think you kind of have to check your ego at the door. I've always tried to hire guys who I thought ultimately could do my job and do it better. And I think I've succeeded uh, in doing that. I, and I've, we've got a pretty flat structure. I mean, you've seen us around here, Chris. I mean, you know, from our analysts, Ben and Pike, and guys who just started here a couple of years ago to David, we all, sort of, it's, uh, we all sort of operate on the same level. Every each guy can do well. I can't do the analyst. They can do stuff that I can't do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we, but we all can kind of do each other's job. And I'm not afraid to let you know. Dave's not afraid to delegate to let guys and allow them to grow. Which is why I think a lot of people get taken from an organization because they have a lot of skills that are developed while they're here.
0: So one game, it's just one game, and it's crazy. 97 wins. They got 96. And I know you got a lot of respect yeah. for those guys because they deal with a lot of the same problems you got to deal with.
5: Yeah, I was kidding, and I'm only a half kid on this, too, is that, uh, you know, Tampa in one game, you're going to have two teams trying to bully each other analytically. I mean, you're going to – I mean, they're really smart over there. I have a, We have a tremendous amount of respect uh, for the entire organization. In fact, Bob will tell you this. I was wrong, but I I thought Tampa was going to win the division this year. I told Bob that. I said, I think Tampa's going to win the East. Now, as it turned out, the Yankees deservedly so, you know, won it comfortably, but uh, I think – Tampa, 96 wins, and their payroll's lower than ours. But you could see them setting it up last year. That deal they made with Archer was just absolutely incredible. And uh, they're going to be good for a long time, too. Uh, Bright, bright people over there. And it'll make for an interesting game, that's for
4: sure.
0: Peter Gammon told the story here on A's Cast Live about years ago, you being back east and... You got out-ordered, and it bothered you. That's how competitive you are. And we're like, really? That really happened.
5: <laughs> true story. I was in Cape Cod with Peter. And, uh, of course, he was a local, so he ordered the lobster roll. I went with something basic, and my daughter Casey was with me. She was probably 10 or 11. And, uh, yeah, I looked at it with envy. I looked at that lobster roll that he pulled up, given the fact that he lived there his whole <laughs> life. So I got on him for not tipping me off on the right order. Uh, and it was interesting about that day. Because it was a gorgeous day in Cape Cod, there was no humidity. Which how many times are going to happen in August? In fact, it was a series. If you any age remember, it was the series that Terrence Long it was that that day that he made that unbelievable catch to to win the game in Boston. And uh, I remember because when I got back, I didn't go to the game that night. And he, he literally had just happened as me and Casey walked in the hotel room. And being there that day, it was an amazing day, and it kind of fooled you, like, wow, this is kind of like being in San Diego, where I grew up. You know, it was sunny, and no humidity, and gorgeous, and kind of fooled you a little bit. So I think that kind of tempted me a little bit to consider the Boston offer, mainly from being out in Cape Cod with Peter that day.
0: You know what, sometimes the best decisions are when you say no. Thank God you didn't take that job and you stayed here.
5: Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, uh, There's some years that people probably wished I would have taken it. (laughs) 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 That's the thing. You know, you are talking about changing this job. I mean, listen, and this is the deal, and I've tried never to run away from it. Uh, Listen, some people are not going to like what you do, and there's going to be days that, hey, his time is up, the game has passed him by, and then there's times you're the smartest guy in the room. That's the deal. The fact is, is you're neither. And if you sort of kind of keep that balance and realize you're going to make some bad moves, but hopefully you, you make three good moves for every two bad moves you make. And I'd like to think we have.
0: The thing about you is that you understand the pitfalls. You understand the issues, and you're able to work around that. And not everybody really understands all those pitfalls that you have to do, deal with. And I think that's one of what's made you so successful. And I think about your relationship with Bob Melvin like this has been the perfect manager for you, yeah. right? You went through f- a few managers. Why Why has Bob been the guy, which by the way, now with all these moves, he's the longest tenured guy with yeah. one team.
5: No, I, you know, when Boach, reti- when I knew when Boch retired, I, I think I mentioned that to Bob, that he was the longest tenured guy. Uh, first of all, listen, you know, me and Bob played against each other. We're the same, I and mean, we're only a few months apart in age. I think we genuinely like each other. Uh, we like each other's company. We're both kind of loners too, in, in the same sense. We. We kind of hang out with uh, hang out with each other just enough not to irritate each other. Uh, and, and again, we're both like that. And uh, and listen, I have a, one thing about I tell this about Bob: though, this guy comes into every day. He's such a consistent personality and consistent with his work ethic. I mean, he's been doing this a long time, and he's still in like, like clockwork. Eleven thirty, organized, ready to go every single day from spring training on. And and uh, and again, his relationship with the players relationship with the front office his relationship with the media I think he's as good as anybody in the game when it comes to that and and he's also been a guy who came up in a different era but been, been able to transition with all the analytics and do it seamlessly which is why he's still around you know because a lot of guys who started with me and Bob you know maybe weren't didn't embrace it like Bob did and uh and and, and again he's you know his staff is great they're loyal to him and again he's one of the best in the business and uh, we hope he uh, continues to stay here for a long, long time. I, I anticipate that.
0: Yeah, well, you, in this job, you got to be able to manage up, and you got to be <laughs> able to manage down, right?
5: Yeah, listen, that's. Uh, I was a kid with Brian Cashman, who's one of the best in the business of the Yankees. Nobody was, I mean, he. I, I was there. I've, I've heard. I was in his office when we, were, when he still had hair, and I had no gray hair. And uh, I remember we were we were just starting on the upswing, was maybe 2000, and I was in his office in Yankee Stadium, and. And Mr. Steinbrenner would call. I could hear him yell at him through the phone. Oh, God. <laughs> but Brian was a master. He knew how to, you know, he's not a he, he's not a guy who's just going to give you a line. He's, he's a straight shooter, and he was a straight shooter with his owner. And I think that's why he was successful there, and he continues to be successful. Can
0: so. you imagine looking at that phone every day, getting that phone call, just going, oh, God, here we go. <laughs>
5: he, you know what? He's done all right. In fact, uh, I always take the opportunities. I think Brian has the greatest winning percentage of any general manager in the history of the game. And you never hear anybody talk about him in the Hall of Fame. I think he's got four rings. He's a slam dunk Hall of Famer, and he's he's smart as a whip. And uh, despite the fact that he's got money, he's still very, very smart and very good at what he does.
0: Well, same for you. And uh, you've always been good to me in my career. And one of the big honors this year was uh, to take the, the, the shot at leaving regular radio, terrestrial radio, and coming and do this and being a part of this and – and being this season our first, uh, you guys have really helped us out, really grow this thing. And once again, you've always been good to me, and I always appreciate it. And good luck in this game, and hopefully we're having a conversation in Houston.
5: I sure hope so, Chris. And, yeah, congratulations on a great first year. I know you guys have gotten some great uh, uh, some accolades, people talking about what's going on. This is pretty unique, and you've had a big job all year. So congratulations on year one getting done. Let's get that And, by way. the way, you still you don't have a gray hair in your head.
0: We've been doing this the same amount of time. You know what it is? It's a grooming cream that I have. It's working. Then when I put it in, you can kind of see the gray, but it makes my hair darker. It
5: looks great. It's uh, it looks natural. You look like an eight year old little boy on his <laughs> first day of school.
0: <laughs> I'm still trying. Hey, my brother's bald, by the way. Yeah. It's crazy. You got
5: full uh, moss going there.
0: Ah, uh, you're I the thought,
5: ba- I thought there was real cream. It's
0: that's not real cream. No, it's called it's <laughs> a grooming cream. It's the best. It make kind of it gets rid of the gray. But once I, you know, once you shower, it's gray. I'm gray. Oh, oh, I'll tell you
5: what. It doesn't look, uh, it looks real.
0: (laughs) I'm not stressed, my friend. I'm living the dream. There you go. Hey, good luck tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it's all about winning the World Series, right? That's what it's all about.
5: That's right. A lot of games ahead.
0: He's the best. The great Billy Bean right here on A's Cast Live.
2: Streaming from the East East Bay. A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just Billy Bean, one of the greatest executives in sports history stopping by, Ace Cast Live. I'm telling you, that's how we roll. If you're a baseball fan, like you said, you don't have to be an Ace fan. If you're a baseball fan, this is the show for you. I mean, the guest list. You've heard from Bob Melvin. You've heard from Billy Bean. Joey Wendell from the Rays is going to be stopping by at 2 o'clock. Still going to have Dan Schulman who's calling this game for ESPN at 3.30. Matt Vasgersian calling this game also for ESPN on the TV side. Schulman on the radio side is going to be here. Doesn't get, does it get any better
3: than that, Commander? It doesn't. And uh, by the way, Schulman's bumped up to 3 o'clock now. He has to move up to 3 o'clock. But uh, we're hoping that we can get that scourge. We talked to Eduardo Perez earlier about coming on. Uh, he, he felt he felt slighted that we haven't we didn't have him on when he was there last time, uh, jokingly. So we told him we'd have him on, and he said, no, I'm not coming on. Uh, I, I refuse to come on. So we'll see if he walks over.
0: I just saw something very disturbing. God. See, there's a lot of good to watch, but then there's stuff that you see. And right now, the A's are... In batting practice, but they're taking ground balls. Marcus Simeon and Jerickson Profar, and Jerickson Profar on a double play just threw the ball so left of the first baseman that it went and hit the Geico sign down the right field line. I just, I just. Have they announced the rosters yet? Let me
3: check Twitter. I mean, we know who the all star, we know who the starter is. Oh, sorry, we knew who the wildcard game starter is now. So.
0: Yeah, I think we all knew it was going to be Sean Manaya. David Force just wanted to play a little little game with the Rays, a little game. But that's what scares me is, you know, the A's have gotten away with a lot of bad throws from Profar this year. But this is a one-game winner-takes-all. That scares me. It really, really scares me. By the way, home teams. How about this? Home teams are fifty-five and fifty-seven in and winner-take-all postseason games home teams 55 and 57 by the way the a's have lost eight straight winner take all postseason games including five straight winner take all games at home oh we're having a little flyover maybe that's a preview of tomorrow like a blue angel are the blue angels in town right now uh, is it Fleet Week? Uh, let me check. But it's only one. It was only one jet. The A's need to win this game, obviously. But they, you know, it, it's at a point to where you need, you need to win one of these games. You know, you gotta, you gotta be tough, and you gotta show a chin. You gotta win this game and get to Houston. And let me tell you something. Whoever does win this game. Going to Houston, the Astros will have respect. Even though they're uh, a highly favored team because of what they have in their arsenal with their pitching and their offense and their defense and their depth, they're a great baseball team. They won 107 games, for God's sakes. Uh, They have two pitchers that are battling each other for the Cy Young Award. You could make a case for Bregman to be MVP. Jose Altuve is... The modern-day Pete Rose.
4: Yeah,
3: he actually has more hits going at, in his career right now than Pete Rose did at the same age. It's crazy.
0: Well, when you keep getting 200 hits every single year, I mean, to catch Pete Rose, you got to have 200 hits for 20 years and then some. Just think about that. 4,256 hits. I mean, it's unbelievable and remember, Rose played a really, really long time because when he broke the record, when he broke the record, he was a player-manager. Was he the player-manager then? I think he was when he broke off Eric Schau and the Padres, if you remember back. I don't, I don't know if I was born then, but... No. I know what you're talking about. I remember watching the highlight. So, 200 hits times 20 takes you to 4,000. You would still need... 256 hits after that so you gotta have 200 hits for 20 years and you may have a shot yeah we can do, we can do them whenever you want raise pr coming over and uh asking us about by the way uh, our our, our uh, badges don't work anymore. I think we need postseason badges. Uh, mine got approved when I went in. Mine lit up green. Said, and allowed, they allowed me in. Uh, when I went in, they said uh, decline.
2: Yeah, the, the,
3: same
0: thing happened to Eduardo right before you. Yeah, Eduardo <laughs> Perez could, you know, t- our security. You know what? I'll say this. When we were in Minnesota with the Raiders, I got us press passes for the Twins game twins were taking on the royals as we were walking up to this glass media door the media guy opened the door before we got there because he wanted to greet brent musburger because brent musburger is one of the greatest broadcasters of all time he's my partner on the raiders broadcast and then two more guys came out before we even got in the door three people were greeting us because of brent musburger eduardo perez is on espn former big leaguer his 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 father is a Hall of Famer and the security guard at the door of the A's clubhouse would not let him in. He's calling the game. It just shows the stuff around here. It's just with the city suing today. I'm just so down. I'm just so pissed. But yeah, there was a who else? There was somebody else down here on the field that security was like, hey, you can't go over there, and it's one of the guy, I can't remember who it was. But it's like you don't know. Like no one, no one here knows anything. It's like how can you be security if you don't know who you need to secure? If you just, oh, what's your badge? Like you don't know who this guy is. Just the, the stuff that goes around, it doesn't happen. Like Brent Musburger didn't need a press pass. He would have got in because everybody knew. Everywhere we went, when we went up to the when we went up to the press box, the people greeted him there. You think if he. You think if he came to the game or he came here today, he, that, that same thing would happen with the people that work in this stadium, that they would know who he is. Like, he could go to any stadium in America and they got an idea. You come here and it's just clueless. Uh, I'm still waiting for my thank you from Brett Musburger.
3: For for for, for the, pre- he, the, the press. Pass. Yeah, get in the yeah, But the do you pass. understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do, 100%.
0: Everywhere we went around the state, I had to be like his security. It was like walking around with Elvis. I guarantee you if Brent Musburger came in with our security people here, they'd have no clue. They'd have no clue. They don't even know who I am, and I'm here every GD day. Do you realize how many people will stop me in this stadium? I'm the A's guy. I've been the A's guy for years. I'm here at every single freaking game, and you don't know who I am? The face of A's cast. Jesus, that. people that I see, there's people that I see that work here that I see every day, and they still have no clue. Ugh, I'm just so, things so need to change. It's 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 unbelievable. But the number one thing, it's all about, hey, who do you like today? Because we've got a, don't forget, we've got a National League wild card game coming up here at 5 o'clock, and if you want to talk about a team who has stunk and games that they needed to win in the postseason, that would be your Washington Nationals. They have struggled. They have not. You want to talk about the A's haven't won the big game. They haven't been able to win a big game, and they're not going with the hot guy, Strasburg. They're going with Scherzer, who hasn't been great in the second half, up against a Milwaukee Brewer team who has been, yell it or not, They've been arguably the hottest team in baseball. At one point, they won, what, 17 of 18? I think they won they 18 of
3: 20, 18 of 23 going into the playoffs. I, I like the Brewers tonight. I think they have the momentum. Brew
0: crew on the road?
3: They have what they call momentum heading into the game. And I, they've been there before. They played the game 163 last year against the Cubs when they won the NL Central. I, I think that they're the, they, they have everything going for them, even without Yelich. I think that they're the team to watch in the National League to challenge the Dodgers, in my opinion. I mean, I like the Braves. But the Braves have so much – I mean, they won the division last year, but the Brewers went to game seven of the NLCS last year against the Dodgers. Who says they can't go there this year? I know they don't have Yelich, but their pitching has been really good in September, and they they take advantage of the 40-man roster better than anybody in baseball.
0: Well, and doesn't that just show you that as much as we love our superstar players, it's a team game. It's about the team. It's a lot about your pitching. That you could lose a guy like Christian Yelich, who is one of the best play I mean, won the MVP last year, trending to win the MVP this year. Won the batting title. I mean, he's incredible. You lose him, but you don't lose. I mean, you keep winning. I mean, Reggie Jackson got hurt, and the A's still won a World Series. So it just it just shows you that, you know, you-, you want your big guns, but it doesn't mean you can't win if your big gun is not here. I mean, it's just – it's such a team game. You got to move on. I mean, it's like the one year the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, they had 11 starters that were out. Guys were gone. It was a next-man-up mentality, and they won the Super Bowl. Just because you lose one guy doesn't mean the season's over. So, I'm going to go Nats. Well, I'm going to say the Nats finally break through winning a big, a big game. Well, you know, they did offer uh, Rendon that contract. You got Juan Soto. According to our
3: guy, Buster Olney, who is here, have you talked to him? I sent him a text. I never heard back. You talked to him in the clubhouse. I said hello. You introduced yourself. He just nodded his head. He's like, hey, come on. I'm trying to talk to Marcus, man. Yeah. I got work to do, bro. Who are you?
0: Yeah, you're the guy who were on my show. Um, They said on uh, the Baseball Tonight podcast that this really is an indication that he is not going to resign because this is the same thing that they did with Bryce Harper. They floated out a number and they floated out years. So basically, when they knew Harper was going to move on from them, they could at least say, "Hey, look, we offered ten years. I can't remember what was the offer. It was ten years something." Yeah, but a lot of it was like deferred to like twenty fifty 2050 or twenty fifty six or something. But they wanted to. They wanted to show their fan base. And in the end, it might—you know—they got Soto, who's—you're uh, basically replacing Harper with him. There uh, was a
3: rumor earlier. I should remember that they—there's fl- someone floated out the rumor that they were going to sign him to a seven-year, 160 million dollar deal. We never heard anything about that since either.
0: Well, and then I think about this—he's 29 years old. Nobody in baseball wants to sign a 29-year-old to a seven-year deal. Let somebody else do that. It's probably smart by the Nationals. And you can take that money and you can go somewhere else with it. And then they speculated on the podcast that Rendon is not a lifer. And that he's a guy that's talked about he doesn't want to play for a long time. And he'd rather take, which I've always, I've clamored for this for years, shorter deals at higher annual value. Actually, the old president of the A's, Mike Crowley, I'll never forget, having this conversation with him. So Mike Crowley and I were on the bus together in 2012 in Japan. And it was just us. And I can't remember why, but I just remember we're just sitting there, sitting next to week. He was on, 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 on one side of the bus. I was on the other. And, you know, we were the only two guys there. So we started uh, rapping. And I got to actually ask him, because Crowley would never do interviews, right? Mike Crowley... Would do like one TV interview a year, and that was it. We could never get him on the radio, and so this was like, this is my chance to pick his brain. And I said that to him. I said, you know what? Why don't you offer like, why don't you offer a guy thirty-five million a year for like two years? And he was like, yeah, oh, it's pretty interesting. I was because like, what you what 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 Oakland didn't want to do back then, and now with all these teams, they don't want they. They don't want to do the Manny Machado. They don't want to do the Bryce Harper contract. They don't want to do that. I don't want to be locked into a guy that's 38, 39 years old. Look at at Albert Pujols. Actually, you know, he wasn't that bad. But still, for the money you're paying him, I don't want to be locked into a contract like that. So why not overpay for four years? And then you know after four years, he's off the books. Once he's out of his four or five years, pay the guy, overpay him, but then I, I I get to wave goodbye to him after four or five years let him go sign in his mid-30s with somebody else. Or if he's still a quality player, I can still re-up with him again. I think that's the way baseball needs to go. I, I understand Bryce Harper wanted a long-term deal, but I, I think for baseball, if I was running a team, I would love to go up to a guy and say, you know what, I'm going to pay you four years like a superstar. You know, kind of like what L.A., the Dodgers, tried to do with Bryce Harper, right? Bryce, they tried to get Bryce Harper on a short-term deal but pay him big money. Harper wanted the long-term deal. Harper wants to be, you know, in his mind, the franchise guy that plays for a long, long time. I, To me, I feel like the future is definitely going to be short-term deals, but the average annual of the salary be higher than normal. And it's cost control, right? I'm gonna, I'll pay a big money for four years, and then I can walk away from you. I only want to buy your good years. Here's a hot take for you.
3: What if they don't resign Rendon, and they go out, and they bring in Garrett Cole?
0: Garrett Cole, Strasburg, and Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin, who had 20 strikeouts, who this year. just got a
2: <laughs> who got a
0: big Who got a big deal from them? No, that no one's
3: speculating that, but I'm just throwing it out there. If You don't resign Rendon. They love to add to that pitching staff, and you
0: could can... Rizzo. Rizzo surprises people, man. Yeah. And by the way, he's a guy that keeps on. You know, like certain executives. And we just had Billy Bean on. He keeps he keeps the Nats competitive. They've seen a little dysfunctional with the changing of the managers and everything, but for the most part, the Nats have been very, very competitive. What happened with our man Joey Wendell? I don't know. They said he was coming over, and then they never came back. All right. I guess we'll see. We want to get the game plan from the the opposing side. We need the Charlie Morton scouting report. We want to know what kind of lineup we expect in tomorrow up against Sean Manaya, the
6: left-hander.
3: Oh, yes, what the roster? I didn't see the official roster put up, but there are Martin Gallegos had to tweet that Fires will be on the roster and Stephen Piscotty will both be on the roster
6: for tomorrow.
0: Are the rosters out, Mr. Link? No, they're not out yet. Tomorrow morning? Do you know by the way, do we need to put you on the headset and uh, you're not making the roster? PR's not making the roster. Well, you're gonna wanna have a lot of pitchers. I mean, obviously you are not going you're gonna take you're gonna take the starters off and you're gonna add all hands on deck. But yeah, the blueprint that I gave Bob Melvin and he liked it, which I'm hoping that we see, and you will hear from Jesus Lazardo. Tomorrow, as I got to interview him today, real brief media session today. We had about forty minutes, and we just started running around the uh, running around the old clubhouse, tracking people down. And so you're going to hear from Jesus Lizardo, and also AJ Puck. I was I was you know it was my first chance to speak with AJ, and I've been waiting because I remember AJ's uncle played football at Stanford. And one of my best friends, she was a cheerleader at the time and knew him really well. You know, his dad played at Minnesota football, not baseball. The Puck family is a football family. So I think two of his uncles played at uh, Minnesota. No, his dad and uncle played at Minnesota. Another uncle played at Iowa. So we're talking Big Ten football. And then his other uncle played out here for the Cardinal down on the farm when they're in the Pac-10. Huck was like a big – I mean, you think his size. I mean, he's a monster. He was a quarterback. You know, those bloodlines, you could see a lot of people trying to come after him. Boy, did he make the right decision choosing baseball over football. But you'll hear me talk with him tomorrow about that. Uh, I asked him if he brings a football mentality. His answer, no. By the way, I've not given out the code word. So we're given – we have the – the MLB Network Party Packs. We have three left. Two today, one tomorrow. Two today we're giving away. The first code word, you're going to need all three code words, and you're going to need to text at the end when you hear the third code word, 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. You're going to get two code words this hour. One's going to be on the show, and one's going to be on Twitter. The first code word is Bashin. Fashion, which shouldn't surprise you, because that's been the first code word of everyone we've done since last week. Yesterday, you actually didn't have the code, the two other code words ready. Would well, end up being Matt Vasgersian. Do you have the two code words ready for today? I, I do. I think I have a good one for today. You have a good one. I got my. Uh, I was very excited. I got my MLB. Post game part. What do we? What's the official thing called? It's a postseason par- party pack, right? Yeah, prize pack. Prize pack. Postseason prize pack. So it's an MLB Network hat, shirt, koozie, also a hard plastic cup, and then I have no idea. It's a foam finger that it only fits. Fit. This little finger, you know, the foam finger says you're number one, and that fits on your finger. It's the most worthless thing I think I've ever seen in life.
3: Plus, you got your, uh, I mean, I
0: haven't got mine yet, but I have it. I just haven't gotten it. You got your, uh, I got your wild my post-season, card hat, yeah. postseason shirt and hat. I'm tired of wild card stuff. I want division series. I want ALCS, A- 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 and I want World Series. I want history. The A's are looking to be historic. Why? Because the A's are looking to be the first team ever, if the Dodgers make the World Series, to be the first team ever to knock off not one, not two, but three, 100 win teams. We don't know. We're we're pretty sure that has never happened before, right? Yeah, I'm 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 pretty sure that we went back and looked, and we haven't seen
3: it. I mean, we saw three teams in the AL win 100 games this year. Three teams in the AL won 100 games, and then the A's and the Rays won 97, 96. Like, this is ridiculous. And then the Dodgers won 107, or what? The Dodgers won 100 and. 104, something like 106. that. 106. 106. was won 107. So, I mean, and then no other team came close. I think the Braves came the next closest to 100 wins in the NL. I think they had 97, 98.
0: Here, I'll tell you right now. Going to the standings. Yankees 103, Minnesota 101, Houston 107. So, for sure, to get out of the American League, you've got to be a 100-win team. And if the Dodgers make it, it'll be, have to be 300 win teams. You had to beat 300 win teams to get to the World Series. Baseball is a changing. Hopefully, we're going to see Joey Wendell coming up here at uh, hopefully in the next few minutes. Also, we may
3: have Marcana coming over. That's why I was Joey talking.
0: Wendell's walking over right now. So the Rays second baseman is going to be showing up right here on A's Cast Live.
2: A's Cast Live. Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: Welcome to A's Cast Live right here from the field as the athletics are getting ready for the wild card game tomorrow, which you'll hear right here on A's Cast and also 860. A.M. The Answer, and also Sports 1140 KHCK out of Sacramento for all of our A's fans in the Valley and also in Northern California. Yes, Cody? Sarah Sarah Langs is here. What?
3: Yes. She said, I'm here somewhere. So we'll we'll, we'll get her.
0: What does that mean? The great Sarah Langs from MLB.com, the greatest baseball researcher in the history of the game. She is unbelievable on Twitter. It's every day, all day long, as she's just breaking nugget after nugget. She had the nugget that the Rays are one of two teams in the history of baseball to have the lowest payroll on opening day and make the postseason. The other team, lowest payroll at the start of the season and make the postseason, that would be your 2018 Oakland Athletics. And look who's strutting up right now. Friend of the program. Best friend of the program. Humanitarian. All-star. A man that will make history potentially tomorrow to be the first guy ever to start a wild card game and then the next season close out a wild card game. The all-star, Liam Hendricks.
7: How are we doing today, guys? How are
0: you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How big has it been for these kind of two days just to relax, get a little time off before this big game on Wednesday.
7: It was nice. with The uh, the last few series we had were pretty close, so it was just nice to get a little bit of a break in there, just to kind of relax, recoup, and uh, kind of get that little refresh button going. But, uh, yeah, we need to come back out today, practice that, let the boys hit a little bit, let us throw a little bit, and then, uh, and then get ready for tomorrow.
0: I think about your journey, and we've talked about how special it's been. Uh, let's go back to last year's wild card game. Obviously, did not fair the way you guys wanted it to, but what do you think
7: you guys learned? I mean, cue the video of me giving up a home at a judge, but um, yeah, it, uh, we learned a lot, obviously going into a stadium, into a rival stadium, going in there and, uh, and seeing what the crowd is like and just getting a little bit of an exposure to it. Uh, I think it's going to pay dividends this year. Uh, obviously, we've got the home crowd, so it's not as uh, not as against us as the New York crowd was, which were pretty loud, but uh, I don't think they're afraid to get loud here, so we can uh, hopefully put the fear of God into the Rays over there as well. Yeah, the,
0: the, the key thing is you learn from your mistakes, and you know knowing what you went through last year and what this team went through last year, you know you flip the script, and you think New York was loud. It is going to be. Have you ever been to a Raider game? No, no, I have not. I'm going to tell you because the way this stadium's built, because of Mount Davis, there's nowhere for the the audio to go. Right? There's when people are screaming, there's no, it's so loud in here.
7: I mean, with the size of the stadium, there's lucky they don't have a roof because that thing would crack with the uh, the fans. I mean, we have, when we have 15,000 fans here, you can hear them screaming and it's loud. So I can only imagine if we get 50,000 here, how it's going to be.
0: It's going to be, it's going to be like a football game. Yeah. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun.
7: I mean, hopefully. And uh, hopefully it's not a football score, but yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> as long as we come with a win, I don't care what happens. I don't care if it's 20 to 19, as long as we're on the winning end. What did you think of the decision to start Shamaniah? I think it's good. I mean, um, they uh, it, they've got a bunch of good lefties on their hitter. They the lefties on their lineup. They can hit a little bit. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, we've got fires out in the bullpen with us, from what I hear. So we've got we can go both ways. It's not as if it's uh, set in stone or anything like that. We can go out there and we can mix and match. And we've got enough guys out there to be able to get us through nine. So that's that's the biggest thing. It's just uh, going out there and using what we got because if uh, we don't know what's going to happen, anything can happen. I mean, a freak thing could happen, and we just don't know what's going to ha- We don't know how it's going to go, but. Uh, we're just going to go out there and take take care of what we can control and see how it goes.
0: What is the nervous energy like before a game like
7: this? Uh, the good thing about the A's is we don't really have too much nervous energy. I mean, we got a bunch of guys who get hyped a little bit, so we'll, we'll pump the music in the locker room. We'll get a bunch of guys dancing around and doing that. But, uh, you yeah, know, the, the, the nervous energy is, is the thing of the past with us. I mean, we've got too many guys in here that are too confident in, in their own abilities. And they understand going through last year that, I mean, you put too much pressure on yourself, you give, it, you give yourself that, like – kind of uh, immense workload of knowing that you thinking you have to carry the team. It's just not going to end well. So for us, it's going out there and making sure it's another game and making sure we don't put too much effort into it and go out there and do what we need to do.
0: I think about Manaya Just he's big and he's funky with that three-quarters delivery. And you can just tell that guys just don't see the ball well off of him. You know, when he has his good stuff, and I always talk about him, being on top of the baseball, because when you throw three quarters and you get under it, a lot of bad things are going to happen. But his repeatable mechanics now, since he's come back from injury and he's healthy, talk about how just it's tough for hitters to see his stuff.
7: Yeah, I mean, he hides the ball extremely well. He's got a lot of deception coming in there, and it's a weird arm angle. You don't see too many guys that are that big get that low with the ball and be able to stay on top of it. So that's the biggest thing is uh, it's just a little funky. I mean, at the end of the day, it's – so that's all. half that's of pitching is, deception. I mean, you get a bunch of guys out here throwing 100 and they get walloped all around the yard. At the end of the day, you need something else in there. And i has got a chain up and a slider that, uh, that they just don't seem to pick up pretty well. So the deception's there, and then he's got off speed to kind of uh, just get him on their back foot a little bit.
0: Isn't that insane that we talk about 100? You know, the norm now is that you see 100 so much. You've touched 100. You see it so much that it, it's not affecting guys the way it
7: used to. Well, the good thing is about throwing hard, it gives you a little bit more room for error. Like, you, you can't just go up there and throw a 100. back in, Like, back in the day when you had a couple guys who just, there was two guys maybe that threw 100, and they people weren't expecting it, so you could blow their doors off. But now you need to be able to go back and forth and be able to mix and change. And, and just even if it's just a threat of something off speed, it just changes the complete at bat. Like uh, my last outing is a good impression of that one. Like I didn't have any breaking balls that were in the zone, and all of a sudden they were able to take advantage of some mis- pitch mislocation. So, but if I throw anything of that for a strike, we're doing all right.
0: I think about your breaking ball how it has evolved. I mean, just uh, talk about your breaking ball this year because it's just been absolutely
7: sick. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. best for sure. <laughs> It's been good, that's for sure. I mean, I would throw him for strikes. I'm just throwing stuff at Austin Meadows over here. So well, Austin good.
0: Meadows just got drilled by the glove <laughs> as he was just doing a hit. See, this is the great thing about yeah. our set here. I mean, is I, anything can happen, is I he was doing te- an
7: interview. I shot him a text the other day after they clinched and said, congratulations, Give him a headset. we'll see
0: you in a little bit. Give uh, him a headset.
7: Day, yeah. Don't worry, I'm on I'm on Cost Live, so you can join in if you want. But uh. Austin Meadows
0: <laughs> had a phenomenal year for the Rays joining us here. And yes, you guys did have a phenomenal year. And I remember when we were down in St. Petersburg last, we talked about, you know what, this would be a, uh, this is probably going to be a good battle for the wild card. We knew it was coming down, and welcome to Oakland, and congratulations
8: on a great season. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. The atmosphere is going to be electric, and um, you know we're excited. The A's are a great team, and you know it's going to be, it's going to be a, a dog fight. So we're looking forward to it. And. It's gonna be a lot of
7: fun. I'm gonna need him to teach me these dances. I don't know if you've seen it on Instagram or anything. Their post game celebration with the old the, the whatever cha-cha slide? <laughs> the cha cha slide. Everybody does every- that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Out, the songs that we dance to, you can't really play <laughs> on PGTV. So. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they You're- did this one, and we have a song that doesn't isn't as kosher. <laughs> the
0: worst thing about the, the A's clubhouse is after the game, right? If they win, you got to do this post game interview. And you start to realize that the language in the back of the post-game interview, oh, you're like, ah, oh, this is not working for us. <laughs> yeah,
7: it's it's, an, it's adult language. I mean, uh, we'll have we will take a shot at the basketball hoop. Uh, last year was the throwing water at people, just jumping up and down, and then whoever was the man of the game just threw water at them. That's I mean, great. the Royals back in 14 had, uh, if you were the player of the game who was deaned by Jeremy Guthrie, you just have to turn on the light. There was a lamp, and it was a deer. You have to turn on the deer lamp, and as you turn it on, the song, Thunderstruck's playing in the background. Someone spurts you with water and then throws baby powder on you. That's so, I said, every club has their own thing. Apparently, this is the Cha-Cha Slide, which is a uh, real that's, original, guys. That's the yeah, you know I mean, first, woo. honestly,
8: all year. Is <laughs> it crazy that's to think?
0: <laughs> think about this. A's won 97. You won 96. Cleveland had a great year. Mm-hmm. They're not even in this game. Right. To win 97-96 only gets you in a wild card game.
8: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely crazy, but. Just the talent. I mean, the division that we're in. There's so much talent in there. Um, obviously, with with the Indians, I think they won 95, 90, 95 games. So for them to be able to go home, I mean, it's just it's crazy. The talent well, that the, is in this division. The teams with um,
7: the most amount of wins to never they have they they haven't made the playoffs since they introduced the second wild card game. have really? the most wins ever of not making the team. Yeah, they won nine, the game.
0: They uh, ended up 93 and 69, and they're <laughs> 69. they're they're going home. So I mean, unbelievable. Amazing. And, and you know. These two organizations, in so many ways, are mere images of each other. Do, do you feel that way about the A's when the Rays are looking over in
8: the dugout? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think we stack up against each other pretty good. I mean, obviously, with the, you know, the analytics and stuff like that and the matchups and everything like that, it's, it's going to be – but like there's going to be a lot of things going on tomorrow night. Um, but it's, it's going to be fun. We're looking forward to it.
7: You guys wearing the retro uniforms with the lime green socks? <laughs> Not Everything's blue. Know, Everything's <laughs> blue except for the citrus colored <laughs> socks. I don't know. <laughs> I go pants down, so I don't
0: know. So uh, Sean Maniah is starting tomorrow. You guys know that now. How do you yes. think that affects
8: your lineup? Um we'll see. Um, Sean's a great pitcher. Um, you know, obviously he got a you know tough left handed fastball and that slider. So we're looking forward to it. Um, he's a great pitcher. They got a great team and it's it's gonna be a dog fight, but we're looking forward to it. We've I feel like we've Kind of been resilient all year with the injuries and stuff we have, and now we got guys back healthy. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun.
0: And what about this guy? Well, I mean, this guy's turned into an all-star. He's, he's become all right. the closer.
7: He's all right. We kind of yelled at each other a lot at <laughs> the All-Star game. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, you got to take him down a couple pegs just to keep this guy honest. I mean, first year in the league, all of a sudden he's an All-Star, and it took me nine years to do it, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, you've had a hell of a year, by the way.
8: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate
7: it's it. Been a, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to yeah, watch. You suck.
0: <laughs> but this guy right here, you know, he started the wild card game last year. He could be the first Did guy really? ever. Yeah. I blew
7: it. You blew it. Yeah, I walked and gave up a two-run home with a judge, and then, then I got three guys in a row out. But by that point, the damage was done. Yeah, they had the flashing lights and a bunch of New York guys yelling at me. I hear you.
0: But he started. He was the opener. He could be the first guy ever and back-to-back. He could
7: be closing
8: this one out. Wow, that's pretty crazy. First ever.
7: First ever. Wow. I mean, i got to imagine. So who? I mean, who else has done Maybe a starter that just did it the next year. I don't know. No, no one's done it. Severino started back-to-back games. I mean, that—that's kind of cool. But I got a meeting, guys. I'm sorry, I got to run. No problem. Thank you for Thank stopping you by. For we appreciate, yeah, it, appreciate it. And good luck it. tomorrow.
8: Thank you. Thank you.
7: <laughs> this is what I do. I just drag people into it.
0: No, it's awesome stuff. That's yeah. Hey, congratulations on a good season. <laughs> that's was see. This is since we're not like terrestrial radio. Yeah. Like. Program director would be flipping out, right? Oh my God, there was a pause. And what's going on? Uh, we
7: can do anything we want. I mean, until you get yelled at tonight by your program No, I'm realizes. the boss,
0: so I'd have to be yelling at him, Cody. Oh, uh, I'm
7: the boss. He
0: works under me. So. uh I mean, I'm mean i sure he likes that. It's about it's it's, <laughs> it,
7: it, it's it's about going out and taking it to these guys tomorrow, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it I mean it. I've, the game will be decided in the first couple of innings, uh, just depending on who, which team comes out. I think it's one of those teams. It's one of those games where it's uh, whoever comes out ready to go earlier is going to be uh, is going to come out. But um, the good thing is we've done it before, so we know how to we know how to fight back a little bit. These guys have have got a lineup that's scrappy. I mean, they got. Uh, I said it earlier. They got the 2014 Royals lineup where they just they take good at bats. They put the ball in play, and they're not afraid to take their singles where they come, and they'll uh, they'll do what they need to do. So. As long as we get a we get a couple of runs on the board early, I think we'll be able to run away with it a little bit. The Roberto Clemente Award. What would that mean to you to win that? Uh, it's a it's a big deal. I mean, um, obviously, I'd hope to play in the World Series, and not the only reason I'm being in there. But uh, at the end of the day, it's it's uh, it's great to be honored for something that you're doing off the field. But for me, it's it's not the goal at the start of every season. I don't come into it looking like, okay, I want to win the Roberto Clemente Award, so I'm going to do this, this, and this. No, I do this, this, and this, and the the. Uh, the byproduct is the, is the all the nominations and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the biggest thing of those nominations is doing for me is raising awareness of the this, uh, the charities I support. And that's the biggest thing is trying to make sure that everybody is aware of what's going on and what I've been able to do and try and, uh, try and gain as much publicity as I can for it. BP is over, my friend. BP is over. I know you
0: got to go. I got to go. Thank you very much. Appreciate it having me, guys. You are the man, and yeah, good luck course. tomorrow. And uh, as I've been telling everybody, hopefully the next time we speak... We'll be in Houston. Exactly right. Thanks for having us, guys. The great Liam Hendricks, the all-star, joining us here on A's Cast Live. Coming up next, you're going to hear from the president of the Athletics, Dave Cavill. We're not happy campers about what went down today. I can be honest with you. Next, right here on A's Cast Live.
2: Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
0: Well, I thought we were just going to be talking baseball today with Dave Cavill and about The Build. Uh, The Build is a podcast that we have for A's cast where giving you full transparency of how this new ballpark is coming along and everything has been so glowing until today. Here is my conversation with the president of the athletics earlier today, The Build for A's cast. It's now time for The Build here on A's cast powered by TuneIn. You know, one of the great things, about doing the build with Dave Cavill, the president of the Oakland Athletics, is the transparency and getting to know everything that's going on with trying to not only win baseball games on the field and win and get into the – we're in the postseason, but get to the next round, but to also let us know what's going on with the new stadium. And, Dave, first of all, we always love having you. Thank you for coming on. It's great
9: being here. Thanks so much for having me, as always.
0: I woke up this morning to a bunch of text and went on Twitter and saw Phil Mateer, his piece, uh, in the Chronicle, and it just enraged me. The fact that what is going on now that you have to deal with and knowing that what you have been through to try and do everything you can to make the A's world better for us fans and having been through all this crap for all these years – I just, I'm so frustrated. I I would rather talk to you about a wild card game of potentially going to Houston, but you're going to be in court today. I mean, it's just a joke.
9: It's completely shocking. You know, the fact that the city of Oakland would sue the county on our deal with them would actually take this amazing week that we have with the playoff game, the wild card, 50,000 plus here, and put this cloud over it is really disappointing. And it's something that, you know, we're we're just completely shocked. We had no heads up on this at all. It just came out of nowhere. It's just like a, a two-by-four hitting you in the head. And, uh, and we're still trying to make sense of exactly what it means, how it impacts, you know, our efforts here at the Coliseum to buy this property and work in a collaborative way with all the parties. But obviously a legal remedy is just a totally – that should be a last resort, Tony, and so the fact that they're, you know, introducing that at this stage is just really surprising.
0: And last time we had Libby Shaft on our, our A's Cast Live show, I mean, we were all holding hands, singing Kumbaya, and everybody wanted the same thing. Where did yeah. this come from?
9: I, it's hard to know. Like, it's, it's, it's very surprising. You know, it's obviously, you know, we've had great relationships with the city to date, and that this actually gets introduced at this stage after getting three bills through the state legislature, a unanimous port vote. You know, all these approvals, the county vote unanimously, all the different things, the draft environmental report is going to come out in the next month or so. We've been working tirelessly on this as as a team internally and with the city and
0: that they would resort to this is just really shocking. As you know, I travel around with the A's. I travel around with the Raiders. So I see a lot of different facilities and a lot of different towns And all these facilities, they've built all these great things around it, whether it's restaurants, it's bars, it's retail, it's shopping. They've had since 1966 to build around and make this plot of land better, and they've done nothing. And now they act like they want to do something. This place was built in 1966.
9: Well, and also, you know, we we've originally offered over two years ago to buy out both parties. So it's been an open, transparent, um, you know, negotiation for a long time. And so... You know, the, the fact that they're saying that, hey, you know, they have not been part of this. You know, we've had scores of meetings. I think the county and city have met 33 times, just the two of them. So, you know, all these things are happening. So, you know, we're kind of getting to the point where it's brass tacks. Let's get this deal done and let's move forward. Let's get shovels in the ground. Let's make sure there's a development here in East Oakland that honors its history. And let's make sure we can open that new waterfront ballpark by 2023. And I- instead, we're worried about court cases. And so that's just very unfortunate.
0: You've said from day one, since you took the job, you care about Oakland. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've had this hashtag rooted in Oakland. You want to make Oakland better. You're trying to make two different parts of the city better. Mm-hmm. What don't they understand? It, it, it's
9: hard, and this is an opportunity for our fans, for community members, to reach out to the council members. You can go to com, and you get all the information on how to reach out and really let their voices be heard. Because I think the, the at the end of the day, it's the community and the people who should decide And, you know, we've tried to do a lot of public outreach, hundreds of meetings, town halls, 75 different community groups who've endorsed the project, 134 unions. You know, we have unparalleled support. This is the moment where we need some of those people to weigh in on the elected leaders to ensure that, you know, they're really seeing the benefits of everything that we're bringing to the table.
0: How divided is Oakland politics right now?
9: Well, it's a new city council. There's a lot of new people. I think there haven't been a lot of votes. It's hard to kind of get a read on it. Um, and, you know, while we've had great individual meetings with Council President Rebecca Kaplan or with the mayor or with Larry Reed, who's been our champion from the beginning, um, you know, as a group, they've decided to move forward with this lawsuit against the county's deal with us. And that's that's just really surprising. Like we just I I was we were just not expecting anything like that.
0: You know, and, and in my position and, you know, the fact that I, I get to see the people of Oakland, whether I'm in the treehouse or I'm on the sidelines at the Raider games, and I get to see these people and, and, and I want to put my arms around them and love them too, but I, I say this on my show all the time. Folks, there's a reason why the Warriors left. There's a reason why the Raiders left. And if it wasn't for Bud League the A's probably wouldn't be here right now. But you've come in and tried to change all that. You've come in and tried to say, we're going to build in an Oakland and make it better. People really need to understand that if you do not make the right decisions, you'll have zero teams. And, you know,
9: we're doing everything we can as the last professional sports team here to make this work, to pay for it ourselves, to create something that's truly iconic on the waterfront, thousands of jobs, billions in economic impact, community benefits for the existing residents. Like we're trying to hit on every single one of the key things, and we have to be pulling together with the city. And that's why things like a lawsuit are, are so concerning because it just, you know, makes us feel that, hey, is it possible to, to partner in that type of arrangement? And so we're, we're hopeful that we can navigate a way through it, but I think we're going to need our fans. We're going to need our community to stand up and really be heard because this is a great really once in a generational opportunity that we need to take advantage of.
0: Do they not look across the bay and see what happened in San Francisco? It, yeah. What did that part of town look like before that ballpark I used to got? live there? there. I
9: know I it know. was awful yes it was it was mostly industrial and no economic activity and it was just very you know there was really nothing going on and now you have jobs and vibrancy and you know an entertainment district, and people come from all over the world to see that and that and we can have that in Oakland too. All of that is possible you know that's the vision that we've put out there, and like we're in the process. Of making a reality. I've already been through this process one time in San Jose. I've seen how it happens. The impact, you know, of they just had a big game at Avaya Stadium this last, you know, weekend or this week. You see the impact of these venues bringing people together across socioeconomic lines. You're going to see it here tomorrow with 50,000 people bringing our community together around the A's, around these heroes that we have on the field. We want to retain that and we want to build on that, and that is something we need a new home to do that.
0: So I was just in Minnesota, right? And Saturday night, I went over to Target Field, packed, people all over downtown. At the same time, Miranda Lambert was playing at the arena. And then the next day, right next door, the Vikings were playing the Raiders. The amount of money that came into downtown Minnesota in those two days, because of all the entertainment that they had, there's money to be had. Everybody's going to make money.
9: And, and it's a great catalyst. It's a great reason. It brings other pos- positive things to the community. You see the civic pride it brings. And we, we just need to, you know, really curate that, nurture that. And that's where we need, you know, our fans, the community, our other stakeholders and partners to really get behind what we're doing here. Because I think this is a critical point because, you know, this lawsuit is just something that we just were not expecting in any way. And to ha- for it to happen this week, to have to be in court, and not here celebrating, um, you know, the run-up to the game, that's just really disappointing.
0: That's a, that's a low blow. And, and I'm glad you're the leader of this franchise and not me because I'd be screaming. I'd be pulling my hair out. I'm tired of this. I mean, I've had to deal. I, I've There's so many different spots. Oh, you need to champion victory court. You need to champion this. You need to champion that. And it's all been a mirage. I don't know how you stay calm.
9: Well, you just got to take it one day at a time. And, you know, I think you have to keep the bigger picture in, in play and understand where we're trying to uh, – to go to but you know certainly uh, waking up and having a lawsuit is not the best way to start a week Uh, especially when I thought we'd be spending more time thinking about hosting this incredible game and having over 50,000 people at the Coliseum
0: and they're trying to keep you from even speaking to the county
9: yeah that's what they're like today I got to go back to, to court this afternoon and they're trying to get an injunction to prevent us from talking to the county that's what they're trying to do and so that's really disappointing Because we have a deal with the county, and we're in the process of doing the definitive agreements and finalizing it and transferring the money, and they could get out of the sports business. And we can then partner with the city and develop this part of town in a positive way and keep the arena and build affordable housing and do all the things we heard from the community. And, you know, it's been too long that these types of projects have been delayed, and um, this is another way to do that, which is unfortunate.
0: Uh, It just reeks of dirty politics, and it reeks of this. They're trying to use this game. To get their message out there. Yes, that's true. And th- this game should be about celebrating this incredible team
9: and the history of amazing games that have occurred here at the Coliseum. Putting 50,000-plus in here, this place is going to be rocking. This will be. This is going to be a showcase for baseball because this is the type of energy that we need across the league. And, you know, instead of that, there's going to be this cloud that's over it, which is, I think, really unfortunate. So I just want people to focus on the game. We don't want to take that away from the people, that joy, that excitement. Uh, But at the same time, we're going to continue to work to make sure that we can chart a course through. We just we just don't exactly know how we're going to do that yet because it's all
0: happening in real time. To me, these types of events bring people and community together. It's where you sit next to people you don't know. And next thing you know, you're high fiving, you're hugging. There's love. There's energy. We saw it in 12. We saw it in 13. It's a special moment for the city. It's a special moment for the county. They just don't get it. Once again, they show they just don't get it.
9: It's, it's like I said, it's very unfortunate. And, and, it's, and it, like, it's just shocking. Like you think, especially if something like that, you're going to take that kind of action, you give somebody a heads up that you don't find out, you know, just your process served or whatever. And so um, I think us and the county were just both dumbfounded and, you know, completely shocked with the timing this week. Um, just, you know, something we could never have imagined.
0: Well, I can tell you something that can, can kill their plans is winning. You win here, and then it's on to Houston, Absolutely. and you keep winning. Let's do it. Let's and that's what it's it. all about. And, you know, I've been saying here on A's Cast Live since, you know, all these years covering the A's, for the first time, it seems what you're doing, Chris Giles w- w- with A's Access, Bob Melvin, Billy Bean, David Forrest, it's like everybody's finally for the first time pulling on the same rope, and you got the ship going in the right direction.
9: We have an amazing leadership team here. We have the best fans in all of professional sports. We have a great market. We're all pulling together a great young team with young leadership. You know, this is a great moment for Ace Baseball. And we want it to be a celebration. That's what it should be. That should be the focus. And on getting to that groundbreaking of the new ballpark, which can be another great celebration that we all deserve. And so that's. That's our vision, and we're going to continue to push towards that. But, you know, obviously we sometimes you have setbacks, and, you know, what we really need now is our fans, the community, um, getting behind us, focusing on the excitement on the field, having this incredible game. But also, you know, especially if you're an Oakland citizen or resident, reaching out to your council member, you know, putting, putting the word out and saying, hey, it matters to me that the A's are building this privately financed stadium, that I can take my kids to a game, like how my father or grandfather took me to a game. These are important parts of what it means to live in Oakland and the East Bay, and we have to preserve and protect those. And we have a rare opportunity to ensure that is here for many, many years to come. Let's grab it.
0: Yeah, it's it's the taxpayers. You you need to yeah. you're paying taxes in the city. You're paying taxes in this county. There's been bad deals that you're paying taxes on. I'm looking across at it we're right pay, now. We're paying off those bad t- taxes. <laughs>
9: Mount Davis. Yeah, we're, we're like our deal with the city and county pays off all this debt. It can be used for social services. It can be used for paving the roads or homeless and, and all these other challenges that our city has. And so, like, you know, we're, we're trying to be part of the solution here. But, you know, we obviously need to be met halfway and we need to be working in good faith. And you know, we're really pleased with the partnership that we have with the county. But And we thought we were in a great place with the city, but then obviously we wake up to this lawsuit.
0: Can't let them get us down. And this game is so big as the Rays are coming in here. We know they are a very tough foe. I mean, I say it all the time that when I look and, you know, being in Tampa, St. Petersburg earlier this year, we're like mirror images of each other. Right. You look at the baseball challenges. You look at the challenges to get a a new stadium. They want to do it in Tampa. That fell apart. St. Petersburg. Now there's talk about Montreal. I mean, it's like this game. You know, we're, we're, it's, it's like really fitting. Like they are really twins. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. It's like us in
9: Tampa. And also, you know, the same approach to baseball and everything like that. And really, teams that, that are really exciting to watch. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled for the game tomorrow. I think it's going to be an incredible baseball game. It's obviously winner takes all. You know, obviously with our, our crowd here, you know, that's going to give us an advantage there. But it's still going to be a tough game. Tampa's a great team. You know, Charlie Morton's a great pitcher. Uh, they have a great young team as well. And so it's it's go time, and this is what we play all the games for. And I think, you know, I was just in the clubhouse. There's a good energy, and we just got to go out there and execute.
0: Well, let me uh, speak for all A's fans because I'm an A's fan. Thank you. Thank you for what you do because we know it's not easy, and a lot of people, you know, would just say, you know what, to hell with it, right? I mean, I'm, we're tired of dealing with this. Right. We're going to start looking at, you know, because looking at other spots in the Bay Area or whatever, just thank you for for gutting it out and and, and having, that, having that chin and being able to take the punches because – it's not easy to get these things done, and you need great leadership to get something like this done. So thank you for all you do.
9: Oh, you're, you're so very, it's very kind of you to say that. I mean, it's what makes it possible and makes it a lot easier is that we have such a great community and such a great group of fans. Like, seriously, the most knowledgeable, the most diehard, who really care. We have such a great history as an organization and, and a very bright future here. We just have to make the necessary steps to get there.
0: Good luck today. In Let's court. Do it. Let's do it. Good All luck right. tomorrow on the All wild right. card yes. game. a do double, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll be right. in Houston soon. Let's do it. All right. That is the build here on A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. Is that not just a joke? Are, are you kidding me? Dave Cavill has to be in court today, a day before his team is in the playoffs. Hey, Oakland. Hey, all the people that have told me through the years, oh, Oakland's the best city, Oakland's this, Oakland's that. How you feeling about that? Oakland's lost an NBA team. They're losing an NFL team. You want to lose a Major League Baseball team? You need to reach out. If you live in Oakland, you live in Alameda County, you need to reach out to your local politicians. And you need to let them know this is unacceptable. For you as a taxpayer, you're a taxpayer. The politicians, the government works for you. You don't work for them. Look what's going on with Tampa, Oakland. They've gotten permission now to speak with Montreal. This isn't going to last forever. Baseball's not going to sit around. We're going to have Rob Manfred, the commissioner, tomorrow. This is not going to last forever. They're not going to stay in the Coliseum forever. There's other towns that want Major League Baseball teams. Portland, Nashville, North Carolina. Now, they want to expand, but if they have to move franchises, they will. It happens in sports. They just moved three NFL franchises. You don't think all those franchises are way more worth than what the Rays and A's are worth? NFL teams, Rams, Rams. Raiders, Chargers, you're letting your politicians play a really dangerous game. And people have showed patience, but they're only going to show patience for so long. Is Oakland even a big league city anymore? You tell me. Warriors didn't think so. Warriors couldn't get out of here fast enough. Raiders, People are like, oh, why didn't Mark Davis try? Mark Davis got $750 million of public money, the most any franchise has ever gotten. You had nothing. You've got a ton of debt that you can't afford, that the A's will take on that debt. The A's are not asking you to pay for it. The A's are gonna fix two parts of Oakland and you're gonna screw that up. But you know what? Who's gonna be shocked? Who is going to be shocked? As people have followed this game for a long time, who's going to be shocked that Oakland screwed it up? Guess what? Nobody. And all my friends that sit out in right field, all my friends that sit out in left field, and all these years you've championed Oakland, well, you know what? You better get your butts down to City Hall. You better get, and you can find all these people, from what I understand, you can find all these people's email addresses. You better start hammering Libby Schaaf. Libby Schaaf sat right here on Ace Cast Live and acted like everything was fine. Everything was hunky-dory. You want to start playing in court? Is that really, that's what you want to do? And you want to do it right before the actual playoff start? You're going to use the playoffs as a vehicle for your lawsuit against the county? Trying to keep Dave Cavill from being able to talk to the county? That's how you want to use your lawsuit? I mean, this is a dangerous game, man. And for the first time, I really saw disappointment on Dave Cavill's face as we did that interview. I mean, how do you think John Fisher's going to feel? He's the one going to fit the bill, and now you're pulling this? Where are my Oakland A's fans who say Oakland is the, such the great city and the A's need to make this investment in the city? If you're a businessman, is this how you want a partnership to go when you're going to pay for everything? This was a bad move. This was a really, really bad bad move and you know what this does this allows the people who say that oakland doesn't care about professional sports oakland doesn't care they don't care the local city government does not care jerry brown back when he didn't care about sports they don't care well what does this tell you what does this tell you And now, this, oh, this city and this property. Oh, we can do so much better for this property. You've done nothing with this property since 1966 other than build these two venues. You haven't built retail. You haven't built homes. you built nothing. The neighborhood around this stadium is not safe. You've done nothing with it. But now you want to? I don't care if you're mad at me because I'm tired of dealing with this crap. I'll tell you what, never forget, Mara We could have, and I went into her chambers and did the interview, we could have five professional sports teams. Well, you keep playing ball like this, you'll have zero. Yeah. And then what? How does that help out the city of Oakland? Unbelievable. Coming up next, we'll talk to the man who's calling the game for ESPN Radio. And by the way, the very best in the business Sarah Langs is here. She's I'm, look, I'm looking at her. I met her for the first time. She's the best follow on Twitter as a baseball fan. At S. Langs on sports. Follow her. She will be here a little bit later. But the fact that she's here is amazing. Dan Schulman from ESPN will join us next right here on Ace Cast Live.
2: Now back to Ace Cast
0: Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Dan Schulman, you've heard him for years on ESPN, whether it's baseball, whether it's college hoops. He also does the Toronto Blue Jays. Can't wait to talk about those baby Jays. But he is calling the game tomorrow on ESPN. Thank you so much for coming down to our set here on A's Cast Live. Is, uh, we're kind of a unique thing here. We're the, <laughs> we're, we're the only streaming station That's in cool. all of Major League Baseball.
1: That's cool. I'm calling the game just so on ESPN radio, not on yes. TV. So. Because Matt Vasgersian's from this area, and if his family is listening to you right now, <laughs> they might think he just got fired or something like. So I'm a, uh, Chris Singleton, and I are doing the game on radio, but we're really looking forward to
0: How it. How excited are you about this game?
1: I I love you. Know, you know, it's funny. Some people say, "Well, it's not fair. It's not fair. Do a two out of three. and I'm like, "Well, first of all, who said life was fair?" And I've done, I, I've I've done a bunch of these wild card games. Did a, several of them for TV while I was doing Sunday Night Baseball, and now have yeah. done them for radio last year and, and tomorrow and it's fantastic because from the moment the first pitch is thrown it's like the bottom of the ninth of game seven that's what it feels like and you guys know better than me it's going to be a great atmosphere here tomorrow night it's going to be nuts and I'm really excited about it and I also have a bit of uh an underdog thing in me and I and I don't know if it's fair to characterize these teams as underdogs but to the maybe to the not to generalize too much but to the you know, you know, a fan around the country, they don't know that much about Oakland. They don't know that much about Tampa. These are two really cool teams that do things in a really innovative, creative way and, and find a way to win 97 and 96 games. I, I, I love what both of these franchises these do.
0: These are two very dysfunctional franchises. <laughs> its I don't know if you know this, but, you know, the A's are trying to build a new stadium. I'm aware. They're trying to... Buy this from the county, because the county and the city own half. We just had the president on. Uh, The city is now suing the county to get, I mean.
1: I read about, I had Wi-Fi on the plane today from Toronto to San Francisco, and I read about that somewhere over Nebraska, I think, today is when I saw that story. And uh, we're not going to talk a lot about that tomorrow, but it's, Uh, Listen, there are a lot of nice baseball stadiums around and and Oakland deserves one and Tampa deserves one. And since I'm from Toronto, I can say Toronto deserves a a new ballpark at some point, too. And and I hope all three cities get a new ballpark at some point.
0: Yeah. Have you been here when it's been sold out?
1: Yes, but that would be a long time ago. I, I mean, I'm old, right? So I'm I'm Mulder Hudson Zito Giambi Chavez. <laughs> we old, all are. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not like Reggie, Raleigh, Joe Rudy old, but, I, but I'm that next generation. Not Ray Fossey, my guy. Not Ray, not Ray Fossey old. But, uh, yeah, so I assume they would have been sold out in those days. and in, in big games, I, I did some playoff series for ESPN Radio back then. And and actually, well, I'll tell you when I, I – you tell me if it was a sellout. The 20th win of the streak. I did that game for ESPN yeah, It's going to be very similar so, to that. It's going to yeah. be like a Raider game tomorrow. Which it's going to be crazy. Which yeah. is absolutely great. Singy will protect me, and we're all good. We're good.
0: What would you think about the move for Mania?
1: Uh, it, it's funny because, again, flying across, reading articles, fires, Mania, Mania, fires. You could make a case for both of them. So the one thing I thought about leaning towards fires, if let's say Mania, which he is. He starts tomorrow and he's great. Now you go to Houston for game one, and it's fires. And he's much better at home than he is on the road, and he got lit up twice in Houston. And I get all that, but I think if you start thinking about winning the next game before you win this game, the baseball gods say timeout, timeout. So I like the choice of Mania. He's been great since he's come back from the injury, and and Tampa's a little weaker against lefties than they are against righties. I I think it's the right choice.
0: Well, you get to see them a lot. You know, the Blue Jay – Blue Jays playing the Rays yep. in the same division. You know, break down what, what you see in this matchup.
1: You're going to – well, firstly, in Charlie Morton, and you guys know Charlie Morton from his time in Houston and elsewhere. You're going to see one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. And then once he comes out of the game, it's mix and match and match and mix and mix and match. It, it's – you know, Kevin Cash could use five guys to get six outs if he needs it. Uh, he'll do that more than any manager in baseball because that's how they have to win. That's how they have to do it. Um Offensively, not a lot of power, but they'll try to, you know, first and third, they'll bunt, safe, kind of a safety squeeze, kind of a bunt for a base hit, move the runners, get them in, kind of old-school baseball. They, they don't sit back and slug like everybody else. They, they'll try to – manufacture might be a little bit too strong, but they're a little bit unconventional by today's standards in how they try to score runs. And a
0: lot of power arms coming out of that bullpen.
1: Yes, and a lot of different guys who weren't there at the beginning of the year are there now. Uh, Nick Anderson, who when they got him from the Marlins, has been absolutely sensational for them. But again, he'll he'll mix and match like crazy. Like the A's could go with like Lazardo for six outs or something, right? After mm-hmm. after Manaya, you're not going to see that from Tampa Bay. So you're going to see a lot of different arms in there.
0: Yeah, I gave Bob. We do the Bob Melvin show, and uh, I gave him my blueprint. <laughs> okay. All right. My I'm bl- sure he appreciated that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I said I, I'm going Manaya for six, yeah. Lazardo seven eight. Yeah. Hendricks in the ninth, and then we're off to Houston. Yeah, and, and
1: I bet you that his blueprint probably is very similar to your blueprint if things go well. So uh, I've never seen Lazardo live. I've seen him on TV a little bit, so looking forward to watching that. But um, it, it's amazing to have a guy that young. So, so, here, so here's your blueprint, a guy who's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Shoulders. Shoulder. I'm sorry, shoulder surgery, who missed almost the whole year. A guy who just turned 22 yesterday, who just got to the majors a few weeks ago, and a guy closing who opened last year in New York, uh, in in the wild card game. It's amazing how you know things develop, but that's that's the best group you've got.
0: Welcome to the Oakland A's. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you, but you know what? Three good, three great arms. Yeah. Like three. It's it's not like you're sending out four A guys there who are you know uh, who, who don't have stuff. They've all got stuff. So, uh, I, Bob Melvin was uh, – Oakland was in Toronto, I think it was or I think it was this year when I saw him, and I talked to him, and I was just sitting in his office with him, and he said, we got kids coming. He goes, we got kids people don't know about. He said, we're going to be good, and, and he wasn't lying.
0: You know, when you think about Liam Hendricks, last year on June 25th, we're talking about a roller coaster, he was DFA'd. Right. Comes back, gets velocity back, yep. loses some weight. And as Scott Emerson says, really worked on his flexibility, starts the wild card game. Mm-hmm. Then the next year, he becomes the closer. <laughs> He's an all-star. Yeah. And this could be the first time we ever see a guy start the wild card and then the next year close in the wild card. It's amazing
1: because Trinan was so good last year. And now this year, just uh, you know, after the first couple of months, a completely different story and you can't win if you I, I know that saves aren't as valued as they used to be and it's all about high leverage and, that, and but you guys aren't you guys aren't here if hendrix doesn't have the season that yeah. he has right so it, it's a it's a great story uh from afar he seems like a great dude he's a heck of an interview i know that so um and he's listen he's throwing 98 99 every time that i see him so it's a uh, it's it's amazing stuff and and um it's going to be fun tomorrow night
0: so the team you broadcast for we've been fascinated because when (laughs) the names on the back of the jersey their fathers were such great players and we watched them play and covered them and we've nicknamed you guys the baby jays what is it like now it seems like you know because i remember i mean toronto's winning the world series back-to-back years skydome sold out we're talking about the hotel and it was so cool Is there a new energy now again with the Blue Jays? It's
1: starting. It's not there yet. Uh, To be honest with you, the fans are annoyed at some of the trades that were made. Some people say they were necessary, you know, getting rid of veterans, bringing in kids. The farm system is producing, the the group that you've mentioned, but they need more. Like, they lost 95 games this year. Now, they're getting better. It's not going to get worse, but they need pitching. But So, Vladdy came up, I don't know, end of April maybe, and then Biggio came up. In June, and then Bo Bichette, who's really – he's something else. Yeah. I I don't think the Blue Jays were here – he wasn't here when the Blue Jays were. No. They were here early. So, Bo Bichette came up end of July, and he's really something else. And those kids are fantastic, but they need a lot more. They need need arms, and they need a couple more positions on the field filled before they're going to be a good team. Like next year, if they played 500, I think that would be cool. And the year after that, if they could be really good, I think that would be something. You know, they're – you always got Boston and New York to deal with, and the Rays are terrific, too. It's a tough division every, every single year. But it, but it is fun, and to see the names on the backs of the jerseys is cool. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s dad is like one of the greatest players in Cuban history, too. He just didn't play in the majors. That's the core four. You put Gurriel in there, and that's like the Blue Jays' version of the core four. And they're all young, and they're all good kids, and uh, we'll see. It's a big winter for Vladdy. He didn't have quite the season people thought he was going to have. And they've told him to go home and and lose some weight and get in better condition and work hard and and come out and have a better year next year.
0: If you had to buy stock, Bo, really that easy?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I from the from the first day, I assume the question was what the question was. Yeah. From the first day you see him, he blows you away. He blows you away. He wants to be the greatest player who ever lived. And and this will this will sound funny. But it's not in an arrogant sort of way. It's just, it's just in a I need to be the best I can be. I need to work harder. I need to learn this. I need to do this. Bo. Like I hope I hope it's a real conversation. I hope I'm wrong to the point where Vladdy turns into a Cunha or Soto or one of those guys. Like Vladdy coulda, shoulda, you know, maybe one day hits three thirty with 35 homers and drives in a zillion runs. That's what they're hoping for. Vladdy will never be a plus defender. Bo is going to make himself a plus defender at short. And I, I think he's got. Batting title, 50 doubles, 25 homers in him. I think he's got that kind of potential.
0: And with this juice ball in my hand, anything can happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, thank you for your time. You we got appreciate it. it. And uh following your career for a long, long time. It's an honor to have you on the program. I appreciate and, that. Thank and you. And have a good call tomorrow. Thank night. you.
1: Have fun tomorrow night.
0: We got more coming up right here on A's Cast Live.
2: Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: So today I'm getting off the elevator in the press box and the door opens up and I see the back of Matt Vasgersian's head and he's talking about how he grew up in this stadium and his fellow ESPN guys were giving him crap about it. <laughs> and I was just laughing. I just I, I wanted to wait because I knew we'd have you on. You're always fighting for the A's and you know, what? we always appreciate. That.
6: I uh, well, thanks, Chris. I, um, I take personal offense. At when my hometown park is denigrated in the national media, as it so often is, you know, it's like a scene from Animal House. Every fall, the toilets explode, the the trees are filled with underwear. You know, it's one of those things. But this is our house, right? This is this is where I grew up watching A's games, and um, it's old. It's multi purpose. We know, we get it. We get all yeah. that, but we kind of love it anyway. It's a
0: dump, but it's our dump. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I always like to say. Exactly. We had Harold Reynolds on. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, when did we have him on? Was it last week we had him on? And we were talking. He's like, don't worry, Matty V's always repping the A's around the studio. <laughs> he says, you always got our back. I do. I try. I mean, uh, look, man, When you, I, I've tried
6: telling people this. like, When you work in, in an industry and you do it with a little bit of passion, like when you enjoy it, there was a genesis to that, and for me, I wouldn't be working in baseball had I not fallen in love with the A's as a kid growing up here in the East Bay in the, in the 70s. Like, what kid that grew up in the early 70s that liked sports or baseball wouldn't have gravitated to the Finley's A's? Like, that was the choice. The Giants across the Bay didn't exist in my world. In fact, they really don't anymore still to this day. I mean, it's you kind of cut your teeth on a brand, and then if you're lucky enough to
0: work in it like you do, like I do, it's it's even sweeter. Yeah, we had Barry Zito on because he just wrote the book. And in the book, he talked about, you know, rooting against the Giants in 2010. And I said, Barry, we have something in common. We're both rooting against him in 2010. (laughs) So we got a good kick out of that. And Barry's Barry's a really good guy. No, and that's the thing. It's like whenever you see a Bay Area guy do well like yourself, you know, all the different things you've done in your career. And now, you know, to do what you're doing now with ESPN, still do your stuff. With with MLB Network that we love, but to do with your stuff with ESPN and to be the main broadcast, that just has to be just a thrill for you. It
6: is. I mean, and, and it's a it's it's certainly a thrill to be here. If uh, you had told eleven year old me that forty one years down the road you'll be here broadcasting a playoff game involving the Oakland A's, I would have I would have signed up for that, and I also wouldn't have believed it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, look, I could look around this place right now, as I have, as soon as we walked in, and as much as I don't like Mount Davis, nobody does, and I, you know, long for the days when you could see the hills and Ascension Greek Church and all that out there, and it was such a beautiful place to watch baseball. One of the first things that popped into my mind, I was in the ballpark, game three of the 81 Division Series against the Yankees, strike year, right, where there was a first half winner and a second half winner. A's beat the Royals, the Yankees beat the Brewers, and... Oakland lost the first two games in the Bronx they come back here. Matt Keogh is awesome uh, goes eight eight-ish seven plus whatever it was Tom Underwood comes in anyway it's one nothing Dave regghetti's unhittable for the Yankees and it's game three one nothing Yankees Ricky Henderson and Dwayne Murphy both got injured in that game Murph got injured with on a check swing like did something to his ribs or his lat. so Rick Bassetti comes into the game later went on to become the mayor of Redding, California, I believe. Turns the wrong way on a uh, on a line drive with runners on in the top of the ninth inning. Two-run score, A's end up losing 3-0. I still contend to this day, 41 years later, that if Rick Bassetti had caught that ball, it's only one nothing going to the bottom of the ninth. The A's could score a run, and maybe they get a little farther in 81 under Billy Martin than they did. But I, I still look out into center field, and that's the first thing I see. <laughs> I I don't think of Dave Henderson patrolling for a World Series team. I don't think of Johnny Damon or whoever else has played that position. Coco. Coco. I, I, I think of Rick Bassetti turning the wrong way. And the ballpark looks different now than it did then. But I actually, because I remember this only as a fan, from sitting up there, top tank behind home plate section, whatever it was, 309 or something. I went back and looked at the film at MLB Network. I actually got the game film pulled. I hadn't seen it since i saw it live with my own eyes back then it was even worse than i remembered it i mean the route was so bad (laughs) it was it was just it was awful and i'm thinking man that ace team for whatever reason it wasn't that sexy ace team but that billy martin ace team with the five aces that billy and and art fowler blew apart because there were too many innings and it was ricky and and murph and tony armist launching them right into those stairs that's another thing i think of as a as a visual sign marker here. I think of those stairs and Tony Armas just peppering them with baseballs. So I, I love this place, man. This is where I grew up.
0: I think about this team, what they went through last year, and a lot of people didn't think they'd win 97 games again. And down in the spring training, heck, if you would have said to me, you think they'll win the 97 again? i probably, eh, might take the under. We knew they were going to be good because they play great defense. They got pop. The starting pitching's been better, but – these games, they've got to win one of these games. It's yeah. time for this franchise to win one of these games. Move on to Houston, and they've got a they've got a puncher's chance in Houston.
6: I agree, and I'm starting to play the speculation game in my mind and and think um, if they get past Tampa tomorrow, how do they line up in Houston? Knowing that you have games one, two, and five in a place that's tough, and granted, the A's played the Astros really competitively in the second half of their season series. But, man, for me, the Astros are the vanguard in Major League Baseball. That's the most complete team soup to nuts. They're battle-tested. You can't argue with Cole and Verlander. There's no flaw among their position players. Defensively, they're good. They can beat you with a three-run homer. They can steal a base. Man alive, are they good. So what do you do to get past them if they get past the Rays? Maybe you have to get super creative, and maybe tomorrow that means – Instead of piggybacking, piggybacking Lazardo after Manaya, which everybody kind of assumes maybe it's fires after Mania tomorrow. Maybe you start Lazardo in Houston. Like I'm going through all these mental exercises in my brain because there's going to have to be a stunt involved. They're going to have to roll the dice on something, and it's going to have to work because to beat a team that is as good as the Astros, you can't just throw nine gloves out there and say, go get them, boys. Give me your best stuff. Can't. Can't beat the Astros that way.
0: Well, something that we've been mentioning on this show, I can tell you right now, go to spring training next year, and my thing is going to be, hey, if you want to win the division, you can't start slow. That's, those days, you've got to win. We're looking now in the American League with with so many teams tanking. You want to win your division, you're going to have to win probably 103 or more games. Yeah. I mean, that's the crazy – I mean, he used yeah. to win 107 games. I mean, <laughs> you won 97 games and you finished 10 games back. It's that's, crazy. It is crazy.
6: It's a good point because, as the old adage goes, you can't win a pennant in April, but you can lose one there. And, yeah, you're right, back-to-back years with sluggish starts. They catch fire in late June, whenever it is in mid-June. They always go on the road and come back hot, and then they roll. But, yeah, that's a really good point, you know, play more competitively in April and May, and then you don't have this mountain to climb. You don't have to go 18-10 and 10 in September or whatever the number was. I think that's pretty close. I'm very inexact when it comes
0: it's to this. It's pretty close. So They had the best record from June 17th on. Yes. Fact. But that – and still you finished 10 games back. So that's something – I mean, because the Astros, they're not going away. No. And they got more guys coming up.
6: They do. Uh, I mean, you know, Jordan Alvarez, who had the Rookie of the Year Award, won probably in mid-August. Um, and the, And the fact that they stole him from the Dodgers – with all their intel, and as smart as they are with player development and, and evaluating team players, they got him for a guy that the Dodgers released because the Dodgers thought it was a different Alvarez that they were trading. That's Who crazy. Who messed that one up?
0: <laughs> Get your Alvarez's straight because you gave away the rookie of the year. Uh, a guy who's going to be a force for years to come. Yeah. When you call these games, I mean, because obviously it's a national broadcast, you got to be down the middle. How easy is that for you as an A's fan? I mean, it's it's not. (laughs) It's not that easy.
6: Uh, I recall, and I called a – in fact, you and I might have spoken about this at one point, Chris. In uh, 2013, I had an A's-Tigers game in Detroit. Thought I played it down the middle, but I was so paranoid of coming off like I was partisan to the A's side – that I probably overrepresented on the Detroit side and much of the Twitter blowback after the game was, this guy must be from Detroit. You know, he sounds like he's a Tigers homer. Well, I just I just went too far the other way. In fact, I told David Force that before the game. I'm like, man, I, if I sound like I'm a raised guy tomorrow, it's just because I'm overcompensating. In life, I overcompensate. I'm short. I'm one of those guys. It's always overcompensating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be a blast, though. You know, the one thing... We, we all hate Mount Davis, but it keeps the noise in the stadium, and it's going to be like a Raider game. We're going to have over 50,000 people here tomorrow. It's going to be so loud because in 12 and 13, when we took on the Tigers, both Verlander and Cabrera said, oh, by far, loudest stadium I've ever been in.
6: Yeah, I, I remember that discussion. Uh, and I also heard, is it true that they're opening the gates tomorrow at 11 a.m.? Oh, we're
0: going to be a liquored-up crowd.
6: <laughs> oh, man. There's, that's what I said. going to be like a Raider game. Okay. I mean, if that's what we're in for, then I, I'm duly, I've duly noted that. Our, our schedule has changed as a result of that. We'll be here early. In fact, there's no place I'd rather be than here tomorrow all day, so I might very well get here at 10 a.m., have a coffee and a bagel, and, uh, you know, get my lineups down.
0: How much fun is it working at the network? Because we, I mean, because you remember when you first got into this game, you went into a clubhouse, everything was ESPN. Now you walk into every clubhouse, it's MLB Network. And it's, what, 10 years been around? Yeah,
6: 10 years. Uh, you've
0: been a part of it for yeah. so long, from the start of it, right? Yeah. You've been around? Yeah. What has it been like for you?
6: It's fun. I mean, it's you're working with a lot of uh, people with the same interests and, and passions for baseball. But having said that, not everybody's interests and passions are the same regarding baseball. We have some guys who are big numbers guys. Brian Kenny, who loves xwoba woba and ex-FIP and UZR and a lot of the advanced metrics. We have ex-players who, to them, that's a foreign language. We have uh, writers whose ears are very low to the ground. Ken Rosenthal, who, you know, he's short, so his ears are lower to the ground anyway than most people's but i mean it's all different kind of perspectives but everybody for the most part everybody loves baseball so it's it's pretty cool to go to work and that's what we're talking about it's it's the only place where you can walk into an office in september and people aren't talking about fantasy football first we get there second and third but, but we'll get there eventually but we get to baseball first
0: you know, we're all big fans, and we love watching you. We love Thanks, watching man. you, it's ESPN or it's MLB Network, because we know you have the same uh, loves that we have for the Oakland Athletics for baseball. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep it quiet tomorrow, though. And you know who we got next? The great Sarah Langs, the best researcher in all of well, baseball. Let me
6: tell you something. What you'll hear tomorrow um, is greatly enhanced with Sarah Langs' work and brain. She is a huge help to us up there. Huge.
0: She's got to make Arod sound smart, right?
6: I mean, let's not go crazy. <laughs> but, but, it's, but but it's a start. Hey, by the way, you know what we need to do? We need to. Where's Braden? Is he around anywhere? He'll be around. Where tomorrow. Where is that wacko? He'll be around tomorrow. We need to get him on the mound, taking a, a photograph with Alex for them both to put up on social media to finally clear the air over this "get off my mound" business from. How many years ago was that now? Probably nine, eight, nine years ago. Get I'd off say. of my mound. I mean, I, as an Ace fan, I thought it was great. Alex is still confused by it, by the way. Uh, I've, I've asked him, have you ever spoken to Dallas Braden about the get off my mound thing? He's like, no, but, I'm, you know, Alex is a super friendly guy. He'll talk to anybody. We need to bury that hatchet once and for all. I'm not sure Braden would do it.
0: Really? Yeah. He's still hacked off about that? Yeah. Dallas, come on, give up the fight, bro. Seriously, really? Oh yeah, because a pitch, recently, what game did recently happen in? Uh, recently, it was, it was a wasn't it a Reds game? My, and all of a sudden, Dallas was back on Twitter about, oh, yeah, he feels really strongly about That was 2010, it. by the way,
3: the
6: Braid
0: 2010. Yeah. Gee whiz, man. Yeah. I mean,
6: look, I as a guy, I like both of those guys Maybe a lot. Maybe you can talk him into it. I'm, I'm going to broker that peace treaty tomorrow. I'm going to be Dan Rather between Anwar, Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin. We're going to make it happen. Can I make a dated 70s uh, geopolitical reference for everybody? Uh, My my
0: millennials just went, what's he talking (laughs) about?
6: (laughs) God, I'm getting older by the minute. I got to go.
0: Hey, thank you very much. We always appreciate it. Chris, thanks, man.
6: Thanks for kind words. And uh, good luck tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Tell Braden to call me.
0: You know what? I'll talk to him. Let me see what we can do tomorrow. could be fun. But then again with you, you might be able to broker that deal. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. All right, guys. Have a great call. Thanks, Chris. You got it. Sarah Lang, she's the best researcher in baseball, and she joins us next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, if you know anything about this program, we found an absolute gem because we love baseball tonight, the podcast with Buster Olney, which I'm I, talking with Buster today. He was trying to listen to Marcus send me, and I'm like, hey, Buster Chris Townsend, thanks for coming on. He's like, uh, who are you again? Uh, Sarah Langs, you follow her on Twitter, at S Langs on Sports, the best researcher in the game. And she's here to do stats for the television broadcast with ESPN. And follow her not only on Twitter, MLB.com. Welcome to Oakland. I didn't realize your mother was from here, so you, you yep. do have the California roots.
10: Yeah, she went to Cal. She's a big, you know, Bay Area person. She grew up uh, kind of where Levi's Stadium is now, but we've been to A's games, Giants games, everything. I got a lot of California in me. So,
0: so. welcome out to Oakland. How are you? Yep.
10: I'm great. I'm so glad to be here. So excited for this game, and so great to meet you guys in person.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, you've been tweeting out, um, let's face it, the A's in these types games, they haven't been very successful.
10: Yeah. Yeah, so they've lost eight straight winner-take-all postseason games, which is the longest such streak in postseason history. It was tied last year, and then they lost, again, obviously, against the Yankees. That set the record eight straight. Five straight have been at home, which is also the longest such streak in postseason history. So, you know, you just have to hope standing here. I mean, it's gorgeous here. They deserve a win. They deserve some more postseason games. I really hope they get it.
0: Let's just say this. They're due.
10: Yes. Yes. You know, it's not statistical, It's not statistical <laughs> momentum, all these things. They're not. We can't prove them, but it really feels like it.
0: So when you look at these two teams, you know, I've been talking about it, how the franchises from a standpoint of business and ballpark and all this kind of stuff, they're mere images of each other. But style of play this year, Rays don't hit a lot of home runs. Rays don't give up a lot of home runs. A's hit a lot of home runs, so when you start crunching the data, uh, how do you see this game?
10: I, You know, it's so hard to really predict. I was talking to Buster earlier on the podcast as I was sitting in the airport. There was a lot of noise behind me. I'm sure everybody heard that if you're listening. And, you know, I think there could be like five runs in the first inning or it could be nothing, nothing in the seventh. I, I think it's really going to come down to how that pitching plays out. And, you know, the Rays have had some nights where those openers and the guys they're putting and, you know, whoever else don't quite work out. But obviously it's Charlie Morton and Charlie Morton is really, really good. And, to me, it's interesting because, you know, they didn't have Snell for a lot of the year. They didn't have now for a lot of the year. So more of what they've been doing is what we're used to the Rays doing with the opener and everything else. But obviously they have a Cy Young candidate in Charlie Morton. But going with him in the wildcard game is obviously the correct choice. But it's sort of not their game, you know he's great they win games when he pitches but it's not what we think of with the Rays so I think it's kind of interesting because you know I was almost hoping for like opener versus opener and I know we've got Mania going so he's not quite an opener but he's still coming back from injury. He's not exactly going to go seven innings so you know we'll see I, I really want to pick the A's I really want to pick the A's not just because I'm standing here with you guys but you know for the narrative and everything else and to get some more postseason games here with Mount Davis open and everything else I, I really want to see that.
0: I also would say this, and I'm not being biased because I have nothing but the r- utmost respect for, for this franchise, the Rays. I just think if, if you if anybody is gonna stand up to the Houston Astros, you know the A's are a team that just recently went in there and took three or four. yeah The A's have the ability to fight the Astros. I, I, I don't know if the Rays have enough firepower to take on the Houston Astros
10: yeah and they've seen them so much I mean being in the same division they have so much familiarity and I think that could really play a role and I think that people have seen this A's team I think early in the year when they weren't exactly where they are now where they weren't in playoff position everyone kind of saw them as a team where hey if they get hot you know they're one of those teams that you really have to look out for and I think that You know, the Rays have kind of been, and again, great franchise, great season, great managing. The last two years have been incredible for them, obviously, especially given all of the context. But they've sort of been status quo at a certain point, whereas it feels like the A's have this ability to put it on another level. Again, something that isn't really statistically based. But, you know, watching the games, I feel like we see that. And I would love to see them go toe-to-toe with the Astros and see what they could do.
0: What do you think about the game that's going to be starting in just a little bit over an hour? Uh, what do you think about this? The Nats have had the same problem in big games.
10: I know. It's so funny. So Cody and I were talking before when you were, I think, when you were talking to Dan Schulman. it's like, if not for the fact that I have some superstition in me and I, I see the momentum stuff, even though it's not numbers, even though I know it's not grounded in fact, I would be like, hands down, the Nationals are going to win this game. Not touch their bullpen. I think if they touch their bullpen, they will lose. But Scherzer go out there, pitch like the Scherzer that we know. Strasburg come in. Corbin close out the game. Who knows? Something like that. They win the game. But then you look at the fact <laughs> that they're 0-4 and, and winner-take-all games at home in franchise history. They're about to tie this, this streak of the five straight. And we've just seen that they, you know, something I come back to is they were so much better these other few years when they made the postseason. This is the worst that they've been when they made the postseason. Obviously, they started 1931. They had a great comeback. They had a great year. But this doesn't feel like the Nationals team that should advance. And so, somehow, because of how baseball works, it will be the team that will advance.
0: And the Brewers, you know, they lose Yelich and then get hot.
10: Yeah. It's It's crazy. It's so weird. And the funniest thing about that was if you actually looked at it, their ERA in that span and batting average and everything weren't that great. It was really like some extra level that they were just doing it for him. And, you know, he's there in the dugout today right now. Obviously, he can't play or anything, but he's there for support. And Lorenzo Kane was beat up. He had that uh, collision with Tony Walters on Saturday. And he's playing. He's hitting seventh. And they've got Ryan Braun back in there. So some of those other injuries that they would had that I was concerned about, because when I saw those two guys go down, I was like, no Yellich, no Braun, no Kane, I don't know how they even score a run in this game. We'll see. You know, I think Brandon Woodruff, I think people are probably sleeping on him a little bit. He throws 96. He became a starter this year. He only made four starts last year. He made a bunch of relief appearances. He made 22 starts this year, only starts, and he added a mile an hour to his fastball. I mean, usually when you become the starter, you're taking velocity off. So... I think that, you know, got to watch out for him, but I don't know. I'm hoping for, you know, when we get off air, I'm going to look up Nationals to Homer in their postseason debuts because I want to see that from Soto. I was thinking about that on the plane this morning, and I just think the Nationals are so fun. And, you know, it's nothing against Bryce Harper, but it's really something that they did all this in the first year. They chose not to re-sign him or he chose not to come back, however you want to word that. And here they are in the postseason with a chance to maybe advance for the first time as the Nationals.
0: It's amazing what's going on in your head. Every single day. And that that's what's so great on Twitter, because, like, it's like, where does she, fu- where do you find all this stuff?
10: Everywhere, you know, baseball reference. I got you guys in on the play index, right? I know yeah. you're playing around with that. That that is. Yeah, it. but Cody
0: doesn't come up with great stuff like you. He steals from you. He still <laughs> needs to ask you all the questions. But
10: he'll learn. He'll learn. We'll talk about it in the offseason. Hey, hold
3: that I break down yesterday. All of his starts, home road versus Ray. That's all research I did.
0: There by, the, we go. by the way, we may, we may need to take a Sarah Lang's class <laughs> in the offseason on how to research.
3: Yeah, oh. we. Uh, w- I had a text. I had a text Sarah about the uh, what's the race record for his left-handed starters oh, yeah. this year because I couldn't find it. Yep. I, I, for some reason, I couldn't, for the life of me, could not find it anywhere.
10: Yeah, that's a weird one. They're on. It's actually on the. Uh, I wasn't gonna tell you on the text cause I was just gonna. But I'll tell you now. It's on um, the standings page on MLB.com. If you click the arrow, there's like more stats and there's a verse lefties and verse righties. That's oh. the only place I've ever found that, though. It's a weird one that's kind of hidden. <laughs>
3: I was checking baseball reference the whole time. Yeah,
10: it's not on reference. They only do the actual splits of how you do batting against those. but that's they what don't I ended have up the finding starters. for em. Yeah. But – It's, you know, I think researching stuff, and it really goes for any sport. And in my old job, I used to have to research all different sports. You know, it's really just about knowing where to find something. And Uh, then you can take a step back and really just be observing, and you see something happen, and you know, oh, I need to go to Stats Pass. I need to go to Baseball Reference. I need to go to the StatCast website, whatever else it is. But if you don't have that background, then, you know, you're spending that time grinding the gears of, like, wait, where do I go? And then you forget your thought, and it's gone.
3: Back Scherzer, teams have lost six his last postseason games tied for the longest streak with the only streaks longer. David Price with ten, Randy yes. Johnson with seven. So Max Scherzer they lost
0: seven straight. Or Randy yeah. Johnson starts. Max in the Scherzer postseason? Tr-
3: looking to join elite company tonight if the Nats lose Ooh. again.
0: If yeah. the Nats lose again, I mean that's like wow. Well, I, well, right. Then everyone's gonna go. But well, he
3: should have started Strasburg.
0: Yeah, well, there there is a case that you should have started Strasburg.
10: I think that if he weren't Max Scherzer in all caps, which is what he is. You should start Strasburg. I mean, the numbers say he's been much better. I mean, Scherzer has not been as good since he came back from the injury. And, you know, whatever it is, whether he's pitching a little bit hurt or he's just kind of getting into the groove, he hasn't been Max Scherzer with capital letters yet since he's come back. And, you know, his postseason history is interesting. He had a scoreless start in his first ever postseason start in 2011. And then since then, he has a 403 ERA in the postseason. Postseason ERAs get inflated because you don't throw a whole lot of innings. But he hasn't been that shutdown guy really since he was on the Tigers in the postseason. So I would like to see him have sort of like a becoming a national kind of start for him.
0: All right. We play a game called buying or selling. You want to play?
10: Yeah, of course.
0: The great Sarah Langs and the Commander Cody. We're doing buying or selling. And remember, we got one more We got one more part of the code for you to win the the MLB Network
10: postseason prize Prize pack,
0: pack. whatever the heck it's called. We got that for you next, right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live.
2: Now back to the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: You know, I've been asked on Twitter at Townsend Radio. Outraged at City of Oakland, any chance you can put up info who and how to contact to voice complaint. You know what? Let me work on that. We're on it. As Dave Cavill would say. All right. Yeah. Hey, Oakland, you got to get your act together. We're on it. All right. Let's get to buying or selling. Wait, what about the code word? Oh, the code word. The last code word. Thank you. We're on it. The last code word (laughs) to win the... Postseason season prize pack, MLB postseason prize pack. The last code word is bean. <laughs> We're on it. Bean. Spelled correctly, please, on the text line. Has to be sale sell- yes, because there's different beans.
3: You know, I didn't even check yesterday to make sure people spelled Vascursion right. <laughs> you just gave it away? I just gave it away. All, All right, be-
2: buying or selling, let's go. It's time for Buying or Selling so, so. right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live.
3: All right, so earlier when I was doing research for Buying or Selling on the show, I read an article from ESPN.com talking about the five players that could break out this October. One of them was Ronald Acuna Jr., who fell just shy of a 40-40 season. The other one, Juan Soto, who Sarah loves. Cody Bellinger, town he loves. Uh, Gleyber Torres, I think we all like because it's yep. Glaber Day. Yes. And Astros rookie Jordan Alvarez, my favorite player, who's going to break the home run record. The Is like Cody Bellinger my favorite player? Oh, you were in love with Bellinger to start the year. Oh, yeah, there's no question. I think, I think everyone was. When he in 400, everyone loved Bellinger. Throwing everybody out. I mean, yep. he was doing everything. That's so awesome. Jordan Alvarez finished the year hitting 313 with 27 homers and 78 RBIs and only 313 at-bats. That's pretty good. So buying or selling? Jordan Alvarez will be the biggest breakout star this October.
0: Uh, I'm going to sell. You want to know who it's going to be? Wait for it. Matt Olson. Ooh.
10: Matt Olson's
0: going to become a star this postseason. I thought you were going to go Simeon. No, it's going to be Matt Olson.
10: I like it. I like it. I'm also selling. Jordan finished like 0 for 12 on the season, which was not great. You know, you want to see him get his confidence back a little bit, but. If we can say Ronald Acuna Jr. can be a breakout star because I think he kind of already did that. Yeah, but same with
3: same with Bellinger.
10: Right, all, a bunch of those guys essentially. So right, <laughs> all of them. But I, I'm going to take Acuna because I I, I kind of picked on MLB.com for the Braves to beat the Dodgers in the NLCS, and I don't think that they're going to do that unless Ronald Acuna Jr. has quite the postseason.
3: So over the last few years, we've seen a lot of teams a lot of teams hire managers with no managerial experience. Aaron Boone, Alex Cora. Chris Woodward, Rocco Baldelli, and Gabe Kapler. What do they all have in common? Some of, some of those guys have in common, they were analysts on TV. Well, another analyst is rumored to get a job in Major League Baseball. That'd be David Ross. Theo Epstein said, David Ross has a lot of things going for him. Epstein said of the World Series winning catcher. His connection to the players on this team, and especially his connection to the 2016 team, are not necessarily assets that distinguish him or important to us. Ross is an attractive candidate, and he's going to be evaluated on his merits. Ross' has expressed interest in the Cubs' job. Buying or selling, David Ross will be the next manager of the Chicago Cubs.
10: I think I got to buy it. I I know him. I don't have any inside knowledge. I'm just going to say that now because I do know Rossi very well. I would want Rossi to be my manager if I were a baseball player. I would want him to be my manager if I were a front office. So I, I have to buy it because he's such a great guy, and I think he would do such a great job.
0: I will buy it, but if you said, "Do I think it's a good idea?" I'd sell it. I think there is something now. Girardi pulled it off with the Yankees, where he managed guys that he played with. Yeah, I don't know if that's always a good idea.
10: Yeah, I think it's a tough. I think it's a tough balance. But I think I've seen him interact with some of those guys. We've done some games, and seeing the way that they respect him, I think it would work. Obviously, he's a very different personality type than a Joe Girardi and then some other guys who have attempted this. But I also think that if he does it just like, you know, he needs like a Jim Riggleman type, he needs one of those really solid been in the game, managed coach, done it all.
0: Watch out, Sarah, live bullets. (laughs) <laughs> Live bullets here on the field.
10: <laughs> one of those kind of bench coaches who's seen it all. I think he needs that. And not to say that wouldn't happen, but I think the that that's uh, important. I'm going to move so I can actually see the baseballs coming.
0: Yeah, see, yeah. the thing about a manager, though, at some point you're going to have to kick these guys in the ass. Yeah. And that's the my, my, my question. And I don't think with the Yankees, they were such a veteran club and they were always winning that you didn't really have that problem. But in Chicago, that's one of the reasons why Madden's out. It's because they want somebody that's going to be able to come in and shake things up. Can you shake things up with guys that you won with and drank champagne with? I'm not sure.
10: Yeah, it's a good question.
3: So on Friday, Red Sox owners John Henry and Tom Warner met with reporters said they were prepared to cut payroll to get under the luxury tax threshold next season. Boston had baseball's highest payroll for the second consecutive season, exceeding the competitive balance threshold of 208 million in both years. The Red Sox exceeded that threshold for a third straight season. They're, if they do it, well, their taxes will go up astronomically. The Red Sox and Betts, who turns 27 next week, agreed to a one-year $20 million deal for him to stay. J.D. Martinez, who can opt out after this year. Well, we'll see what that happens. Buying or selling the Red Sox will lose both Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez this offseason. Uh, I'm
0: going to sell that.
10: I'm going to go the same. I think they're going to lose one of those for sure. I'm going to guess that JD is going to opt out. And I would almost say that for the Red Sox financial financial situation to work out, even over the next five years, they almost need him to opt out, um, which is unfortunate to say because he was so great for them last year. But I, I don't I – don't, I think they have to figure out a way to keep Mookie. I just really think they have to. He's not – Harper, he's not Machado. He's so much better. He's so much closer to Trout than either of those two guys were. He deserves the money. They got it. They're the Red Sox, you know?
0: My question would be, J.D. Martinez is seen as a D.H. So that limits half the league, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have a bunch of teams in the American League tanking. Yeah. So if he opts out, how many options is he actually going to have?
10: Well, that's the concern. I think that's the concern probably from the Red Sox of, you know, if they do maybe want him to opt out for their finances to work out, that there might not be a spot. But I think, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look at some rosters and look at who's coming off the books for some teams, but you have to figure there's some team that would take some sort of chance on him. He's a proven player. He's a good player. You know, you worry about paying him too much, but yeah.
3: So rumors have been swirling over the last few days that the Mets, Sarah's swirling. team, Sarah's team might cut Mickey Callaway and get rid of him after two years on the job. And they had a nice turnaround this the season, finishing 86 and 76 on the year. <laughs> yeah, we play this song all the time. I love it. Calloway's been on the hot seat essentially since the season started. Yeah. And according to Mike Puma of the New York Post, an industry source told him that Joe Girardi has expressed interest in that job. Other candidates for the job would be uh, John Gibbons, uh, Brad Osmus, Mike off. Matheny, and your guy, Bob Guerin. yourself, no.
0: <laughs> not Bob Guerin. You buying do not or, want Bob Guerin.
3: Buying or selling,
0: Joe Girardi will be the next manager of the New York Mets. Kind of makes sense, right? you got to be able to manage in New York. Yep. That's the thing. I mean, yep. Sarah, you know that better than anybody because you cover both the Yankees and the Mets a lot because living in Connecticut yeah Uh, that's not an easy job Joe has proven he can handle it as a player he can handle it as a manager I'll buy that you gonna buy it
10: I think I gotta sell it I mean I see why he would want the job 100% but you know it's hard to know where Mets ownership would go and obviously we don't even know if they are going to get rid of Callaway at this point but the biggest knock on Girardi when his time in New York ended was his inability to connect with the young players. And the Mets are a team of young players now. I mean, that is 100% what they are. You saw that with Dom Smith's postgame interview when he hit that improbable walk off home run to end their season on Sunday. I mean, they're Dom Smith, they're Pete Alonso. That's really who they are. Jacob DeGrom is great and he's there, but that's not the heart and soul of this team. And I would just be a little concerned about a guy who has had a reputation of maybe not being able to get along with those kinds of guys that just they have built an outstanding clubhouse this year you know you can say what you want about their season about callaway about anything else but standing in that clubhouse that is a good clubhouse it is a really good clubhouse and i would be really concerned about about disrupting that
0: buying or selling Pete Alonso the polar bear that his home run record is about the juice baseball
10: See, I'm selling that too because I really think, and maybe the record, maybe the record wouldn't have happened if it weren't 2019, but he is a, we've seen how good he is of a hitter where I don't think it's the baseball with him. Maybe he would have hit 45 home runs this year, maybe he would have hit 40, but he's shown the power and, you know, his expected stats really bear it out, and that's not going to be jinxed by the baseball or anything else, so. I think that I think Buster has said this a couple times on the podcast that he fe- really feels like a kind of guy who would have had a good year regardless and we hope I know I hope that history doesn't look back on him as oh that guy from 2019, but looks back on him as a guy who was a good hitter and he can do that by having another season like that.
3: The polar bear. That was why they're buying It's it's on here this one we did yesterday. Pete Alonso, the rookie record, 53. Buying or selling, Pete Alonso will never hit 50 home runs again.
10: <laughs> I feel like that one has been all over Twitter lately. I don't know. I mean, 50 home run seasons are pretty rare. And it just kind of is going to depend on whether 2019, I'm sorry, 2020 looks like 2019 in the ways that you're alluding to. I, I think I would buy that he might not ever hit 50, but he might hit 49.
3: That's what Barry Bonds did. Barry Bonds broke fifty one time when he hit seventy three.
10: He still hit a lot.
3: He hit a lot. I mean, what, what did I? How did I answer that yesterday? Uh, I think you, I buy. Yeah, you said you're buying. No, I, you, you, said you're selling. Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm you sorry. A
10: that was yesterday. There's a negative because it's not. So.
0: I I, I bought it because of this thing in my hand. Yeah, yeah. that's this true. This juice did. baseball. Yeah. Home runs are not going down. We'll see. Did you hear the rumor? That uh, they're going to the old baseball for the postseason.
10: Yeah, Cody was telling me about that. I didn't see an anything, unverified but.
0: source on Twitter. Does have a blue check mark? I cannot believe it without the blue check They do have over a hundred thousand followers, I, that, and that, I believe everything that. I read on Twitter.
10: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I think probably we'll be able to tell pretty early
3: on. Well, last last one here. Anthony Rendon is set to become a free agent this off season. The 29-year-old slugger is coming off a career that saw him hit 319 with 34 homers and 120, remember, 126 RBIs on the air for the Nats, who, as Sarah mentioned earlier, were 19-31 at one point this year. Rumors the Nationals offered Rendon a seven-year deal worth between $210 and $215 million. If Rendon returns to the Nationals and Cole stays with the Astros, we can look at another boring offseason for Major League Baseball. Buying or selling, Anthony Rendon will return to the Washington Nationals.
10: I would sell that. I don't think he's going to return to the Nats. I, I don't know what happened with that reported deal, but that deal didn't make a lot of sense. That was like the back loaded. It's the deals we've seen the Nationals make um, or offer. But I I don't know. I, I just think, I think he's end up on the Dodgers. I, you know, Justin Turner is going to his last year of his deal. They can find a way to flip him or something else. And Rendon just seems, he just seems like a Dodger. I can already see it.
0: Dodger blue. Yeah. Farmer John. Um, I'm selling too. this has got exactly what happened with Bryce Harper. We're going to float a deal out there. So our fans know that we exactly. offered him something and then they're floating the deal out there cause they know they're not going to sign him. So when they don't sign him, they can say, well, we offered him 200 whatever million and then they can move on and go somewhere else.
10: Yeah. I think that's part of it. You know, you can't know exactly what they're thinking, but it, it definitely feels like that. And even the reporting, I mean, the way that it came out, what, yesterday or the day before we found out about that, I feel like that's very similar to how we found out about how the Nationals had made a similar kind of deal offer to Harper at the same time, you know, like in September, in the last week of the season. It, it feels very similar.
0: That's all I have. That's oh. all you got? That's all I got. We're, we're running out of time here. Who wins, the, who wins the game tonight? Ace. What do you got? Wait, tonight or tomorrow? I, well. Oh,
10: Sorry. Sorry, tonight nationals. Tomorrow A's. Oh, I got Brewers. I'm standing here.
0: Yeah, Brewers. Yeah, got the Brewers. Who do you got tomorrow? The A's. All right. Yeah. Just checking. Just want to see if you had the cojones <laughs> to pick the Rays on A's Cast Live. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, we did have former Pirate Austin Meadows on. <laughs> As Billy broke my heart by bringing up the Chris Archer trade. So this is what we do.
10: This is awesome. We can I do whatever it. we want. I love it.
0: We're the bosses of Ace Cast.
10: I love it. You're standing here in the sunshine. It's gorgeous, perfect weather. This is this is quite a way to work and live.
0: Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the Thank game you. tomorrow. And just meeting you and having you on has been the highlight of the show. Thank you. How so about much. this? Sarah Langs. We had Billy Bean. We had Bob Melvin, Austin Meadows. We had Liam Hendricks, Matt Baskersian. Dan Schulman. Dan Schulman. Joy Wendell went MIA on us. So we we replaced him with Austin Meadows. Yeah, we got their best player on. That's why you listen to A's Cast Live. We're going to repeat all over again the show coming up next. And don't forget, we'll be in Championship Plaza tomorrow from 1 to 4. Come by and see us for the wild card game. Have a great night, everybody. This
2: has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.